coming to you from the Nasser Alexander Kuchecki Studios. This is The Right Hash. The Right Hash is brought to you by Slim Sweets and by Speedy Custom Sneakers. Now, let's spark it up with your hosts, Luke Nadkarni and Alex Thompson. Hello and welcome once again to the Nasser Alexander Kuchecki Studios for another episode of The Right Hash. Something mid-20s, I don't know, uh, 24, 28, something like that. I lost count. A lot of football, free agency updates to get to. March Madness is right around the corner. And, well, with all that craziness, we had some craziness ourselves. It was supposed to just be me and Alex today, but a couple of free agent moves have necessitated a, a guest on the Speedy Customs hotline today. Uh, so Connor Lilly is with us for the first uh, half or so of the show. Going to talk some uh, Virginia basketball and some Lions free agency NFC North with us here on the right hash and uh, Alex Connor glad glad you guys could be with us today it's a Alex and I were kind of chatting before we, we started um, really not a lot on the live sports docket here on this Monday it's kind of the first Monday I know it's not really spring yet but this first Monday post uh, college basketball regular season and conference tournaments you know not not a whole lot going on today so a perfect day to just digest everything that's gone on in the NFL and, and look ahead to March Madness. Dude, I, I, I forgot today was like the free agency tampering, legal tampering opening period. And, you know, stuff starts happening. We see we see Cam Sutton go to the Lions. So, you know, we give Connor a shout out. You know, cool. We see someone move. Also, the Tennessee contingent will love that. Cam Sutton, former Vol, really nice player for us in the, in the league. And then they that they signed the, the, the meme player that uh, Luke now associates with me, Alex Anzalone. Uh, Alex Anal Zone is is who who I is what I see in my head, and once I sent that to him, he's like, "We should get Connor on here," and I'm like, "Yeah, what? Why not?" So we call we called the Ultimate Audible, uh, got the man, the myth, the legend, Connor Lilly on the show, uh, as Luke said, to talk a little Lions, a little NFC North, uh, see what's happening up there. Trey Wingo thinks something's happening. Schefter and Rappaport say not so fast. We'll find out a little bit later, but uh, Connor thrilled to have you on on such short notice. Thanks for joining us. No, thank you guys. Absolutely. And um, I, I thought it was a great idea. Um, you know, we had a couple uh, crossovers with the Tennessee guy going to the Lions. So obviously this is the time of year where the Lions always, um, where Lions fans always feel like they win the day because uh, we can't usually win during the season. But I'm hoping this is the offseason where the tide turns. It's it's getting there, you know. I mean, eventually you win enough off seasons, right? You're you're gonna you're gonna be striking at some point, and uh, saw saw the Lions get de- de- definitely within uh, within arm's reach last season, and uh, I, I'm not gonna say that they've won the deadline because they haven't been humongous moves, but they've been the right moves, I would say, and that's that's ultimately what you want out of the front office. Don't don't do anything overreaching if you don't have to fill in the small holes compliment where you can get the value contracts move on let your coach coach what he has let your gm do what they do just i i i like this approach they're they're good ads are good resigning um the lions don't need to make a splash this year in free agency I agree. And I think you made a really good point there about the the length of the deals as well, right? Anzalone gets a three-year deal. And obviously we don't know the exact, you know, cap hits this year versus down the road and, and whether they can get out from these deals. But, you know, three years is not a huge deal. Isaiah Bugs, two years. Sutton, even if that doesn't work out, it's a three-year deal. So 
you know, he's not there, even if, you know, they're not committing huge, huge chunks of, of their free agency money. Obviously they don't have a ton this year, but um, you know, they're, they're, like you said, they're being economical about it. That's where we got I was going to say that that's just what you, ha- that's what you have to be. You're when you're right there on the cusp, uh, a, a swerve in the wrong direction can take that off the track really fast. Just stay, stay the course, keep feeding the, you know, the steam box, a little bit of coal, a little bit of water here. Don't go over the top. And uh, I think, I think the Lions are going to be primed. We'll see what else they do here in free agency, but um, I'm a huge, I'm a huge Cam Sutton guy. He's not like an over the top, like, Oh my God, we got Cam Sutton, but He's been a starting corner for the Steelers for like going on seven years. And if you can start at corner for the Steelers, hell, if you can start at corner for any NFL team for an extended period of time, you have to be pretty decent. They move on from you so fast if you're not. He's he's held his place there with Mike Tomlin. So I think it's a fantastic ad for Detroit. We'll have uh, pl- plenty more about what the Lions added already and what they're hopefully going to add in Connor's eyes, but just a couple housekeeping things here um, at the top of the show before we get too deep into it and forget. Uh, first, I uh, just want to invite everyone to listen to The Right Hosh, another three-man show specifically about the other kind of football, uh, lots of the EPL and international soccer talk on that. We had an episode last week, and we'll have uh, we'll have one, I think, coming up uh, this weekend, uh, possibly Sunday as well. So uh, check that out with uh, us and Rob Jordan. Um, and then uh, you probably saw our tweet already about it, but the NCA bracket challenge is up. Uh, the right hash bracket smash. Of course, um, we we expect we expect a, a lot of participation and hopefully some uh, from some banter and shit talk on social media. Um, of course, you're playing for a prize and for bragging rights. Uh, so go ahead and check out that. Um, it's below the link below the link to this show, a tweet or so below. So check that out. Um, sorry, sorry to interrupt. We were get, we were getting into it, and I, I thought. Uh, we got to get the listeners this uh, this information because the tournament starts Thursday slash Tuesday, depending on how you look at it. Yeah, I mean, it, it starts Tuesday. I mean, well, I think anyone who's an NC State fan is thankful that theirs doesn't start Tuesday or Wednesday because I, I thought that they might be in an 11 seed play-in game. They avoided that entirely, which was huge. Um, but we've got we've got Connor on the show, and uh, you, Connor, both humongous Virginia uh, fans, um, obviously not. You know, the ACC tournament didn't end necessarily the way you want to, but if you have to go through both North Carolina teams in Greensboro, it, it's tough to do that back-to-back with the, the contingency that's there. Um, Connor, you were there. Just give our listeners, a, um, a, you know, a quick thought of what your experience was. Luke, you also attended one of the Virginia games and an NC State game. Uh, interested in, in your experience as well. Yeah, this was, um, unlike Luke, this is my first rodeo at the ACC tournament, and I thought it was awesome. Um, I can see why, uh, you know, they they have looked to have other sites host the ACC tournament just with the logistics and things like that. It's hard to get in and out of for that final game, but, um, you know, unbel- it's just, you can feel the history there, right, and, and how many tournaments have been there. Um, and it really is there, there aren't a lot of bad seats in the house. So I, I loved it, even though it was mostly Duke fans. Um, you know, you, you knew that going in that it's going to be 80, 90% Duke fans, but you know, the environment was really, really awesome. 
And I was at the uh, Thursday session. Uh, so the, the quarterfinals, Virginia, North Carolina and Clemson versus NC state. One game went my way. The other didn't, you already know which ones by this point, um, but both teams ended up, ended up in the NCAA tournament and North Carolina and Clemson are not in the NCAA tournament. So that's great. Uh, but I, I, it was, I thought it was a, uh, it was a little bit more Carolina than I thought. Like I thought Virginia fans would show up a little bit more and state fans would show up a little more. It was really Carolina blue. And by the end of the session, when, you know, really by halftime, it was, it was pretty cleared out there. Uh, but I, I kind of like the, the, the just, it's almost like a reunion atmosphere. Every time you go to the ACC tournament, there's like, there's people I see every year that I go to it. And um, you know, there's, there's people that like, I will like always know I'm getting up with there. Um, you know, what my, one of my friends from high school, his dad goes every year. So I'm like, Hey, I, I met up with your dad and we take a picture every year. Um, so that, that's the kind of that festival atmosphere of it, right? Like there, there was a lady parked, um, and, and Greensboro Coliseum is a little bit different in terms of basketball arenas, because you can actually kind of tailgate, you know, there's the big parking lot. You just, you drive in, you pay, and then you can just leave your car there and tailgate and drink beer and stuff. And the lady was giving out pins from different schools and stuff. And, and that was really awesome. Um, terms of the basketball I, I think Virginia kind of they, they they put forth a respectable showing uh real credit to John Shire in uh in for his game plan on such short notice for uh really dealing with Virginia's defense and shutting down Virginia himself you know themselves um and Kyle Filipkowski is just a special player I really enjoyed watching him just dominate the game on Saturday night that guy was an absolute force um I thought that was the first time that UVA was really hurt by um, not having a stretch big to pull at least one of their two bigs, whether it be Lively or Filipowski out at least closer to the three-point line that, you know, when UVA doesn't have that thread, it makes it really hard for their guards to, to finish close to the rim. And I thought that really hurt them. I saw that, I saw that game go to halftime and I saw 17 up there from Virginia. I had to rub my eyes and be like, I, I've seen some low scores. I watched Tennessee most of the uh, – all year. I've seen low scores going into halftime, but um, it, it really shocked me. It seemed like the, the Who's figured it out more or less or, or, you know, found a way to score a lot more in the second half, almost doubling their first uh, first half output. But um, what, 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 are the, what, what are the keys to beating Virginia in this upcoming NCAA tournament? What did Duke do? that other teams are going to have to do in order to limit Virginia's, you know, just all around, I think, good basketball team. Yeah, I think one of the things that they did really well was just um, forcing the guys that they wanted to take open shots to take open shots. Um, you know, there are guys, Isaac McNeely, right? You don't want to leave him open. Even, even Kihei Clark, when he's hitting shots, you don't want to leave him open. They, they tried to uh, get to those guys, Armand Franklin, but, you know, when you can leave Jaden Gardner out um, at the three-point line and, and he's not a threat, right, um, it, it, it really makes it difficult for UVA to um, score uh, when, when they can't, uh, when they're not able to either A, uh, get the ball to the basket with their guards or B, um, you know, find a shot with their sides offense, with the, which they've been running pretty exclusively for the past month and a half or so. So uh, defense, you know, and then on the other end of the floor, if you hit threes, you got a chance to be EVA. And generally those threes are probably going to be three or four feet behind the three point line. But if you can hit them, you, you know, it doesn't matter who it is in the tournament. You got a chance to be EVA for sure. And also if you have a, a Kyle Filipkowski, like if you, if you have a big guy who can stretch the floor like that, uh, I don't think Virginia has a guy who can guard 
guard a guy like that. You know, if, if you looked at their first two games in the ACC tournament, that North Carolina and Clemson didn't have guys like that. Um, so, and you, you, Baycott was playing injured. North Carolina didn't have the kind of an, uh, advantage on the interior that they they normally would against Virginia. And I think Caden Shedrick, who, correct me if I'm wrong, Connor, didn't really play a whole lot in the second half of the season comparatively, but the injury to Ben Vanderplas has kind of opened the door for him. And I thought he played really, really well. There was a three or four game stretch towards the end of the season where he had some DNPs, didn't play at all. And, um, you know, I think there was maybe one or two games where he played at all in this last six games. So, yeah, it was, you know, he was playing very sparingly and was thrust into a much bigger role that whole week, starting with the Carolina game that you saw. Yeah, just for for my money, just NC State just sucked a, a lot of a lot of shit in that that Clemson game. Um, Clemson plays really good defense. I'll probably talk a little bit more about the, the Wolfpack later in the show when we get to and a bona fide NCAA tournament discussion. But uh, just yeah, yeah, I had I experienced that too. Yeah, so I had some some fu- some fun with some friends and fellow alumni. But the basketball was was much more disappointing from the Wolfpacks then. But but always fun when I get to go see sports in person because I I just don't get to do that anymore very often. And uh, thanks to everybody who uh you you know tweets us and is like, hey, here we're at a game here. So continue to do that if if you do that on Twitter. Uh, when you go to games, so go Wolfpack. <laughs> yeah, someone's got to say it. Yeah, squeeze it out. <laughs> but, but before before we move on from Virginia, <clears throat> uh, just real quick, um, Connor, while we have you, what are what what are your thoughts on Virginia's draw? Um, obviously, getting a four seed in the number one overall seeds uh, bracket. Um, not not a ton, I would say, of you know uneasy threats in this particular quadrant um but some very respectable names uh what what is your opinion of the draw was the four seed right and how far do you see virginia going uh in this year's tournament yeah i mean at the end i think that the way that they played kind of the last six games or so eight games or so i figured they'd be a more of a five i thought their body of work was good enough for that but i just i just you know the way they're playing the eye test for me doesn't do it until you know obviously thursday friday they played much better at the acc tournament but in terms of their draw i think they got pretty lucky quite frankly you get Furman in the first game um obviously anybody's a threat to beat you virginia knows that better than anybody but um if you can get past that game you've got san diego state and college of charleston waiting for you um no offense to either one of those teams i just don't i i haven't seen a ton of teams in college basketball this year that i'm like wow, this team is overwhelmingly talented. Obviously, there's some, right? You've got Alabama, Houston. That would be the next team that UVA would have to play as Alabama. I think that's where the road ends for them. It's kind of in the Sweet 16. I don't think they have the talent to beat them. But um, I, other outside of kind of the, the ones and twos, I don't know that there's a ton of teams that I'm just like, you know, UVA has no shot against this team, right? Yeah, if you make it to the Sweet 16 versus Bama, make sure your uh, windows got that nice uh, bulletproof action. Um, I, I I agree with you. I think it's – I mean, and even versus Alabama, we've seen them have some real stinkers this year where they're just – you know, that they're not hitting something. It seems like they've kind of turned into that villain in the SEC tournament and they've really embraced it. It almost empowered them somewhat. That's, that's a conversation for a different day. Um, but even if you're looking at the Elite Eight – um, you know, you, you make it past Alabama. I mean, who are you even scared of in the bottom of the bracket? Arizona? I mean, that they, they've certainly had their issues this year. Tennessee beat them. Um, it's, it's hard. UVA's already beaten Baylor. 
yes. I mean, I, I think if you, if you, the, the one game, if you make it past Alabama, should they make it there as well? I, Virginia could, it's a sweet 16 to a final four. I feel like off of that one game there um, it should, it should be interesting to, to monitor. Virginia has been a tournament team. Uh, how many years in a row is this? It's got to well, be. They did miss it last year. They did miss it last year. So, Fair. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. but before that they had a, you know, they had a solid run, but um, yeah, they did miss it last year, but uh, you know, they did have the early exit. Um, they've had a couple early exits and then a couple, you know, elite eight and then the championship, obviously. Um, haven't won a game. Haven't won a tournament game since the championship. I mean, COVID correct out 2020. I think the last time they missed it before all that was 2013, in which case they were the uh, like a one seed in the NIT. Good I think to, you're right. I'll, that was yeah. I guess it's always good to ago. good to start a new streak. Um, Fortunate draw. I, I, I certainly, I certainly wish I had your four seed instead of our four seed. That's all I'll say. <laughs> yeah, I, I couldn't disagree. I, I mean, I, I don't disagree at all. I think um, you guys have kind of a um, outside of Duke though, and and Purdue has looked vulnerable. I mean, it's, it's not out of the question for Tennessee to make a run in that bracket. So it, it is, but you'll have to listen to the rest of the show to find out why. <laughs> absolutely <laughs> well yeah we'll have some more ncaa tournament predictions talk bracket talk remember our bracket challenge is up on our twitter page uh direct message the right hash for uh the, the password uh and uh back to uh to nfl free agency because it's been quite a busy day and like alex said at the top of the show i i also forgot that this was that day i've been just that busy with with work and stuff but um talked a little bit about sutton uh, Alex Anzalone being resigned, resigned, or excuse me, Alex Anzalone being resigned. Um, I place a lot of value on like bringing back players that performed for you in the in the previous season. Washington's done that with Danny Johnson today. He's a, a, a you know a backup corner who's just and special teamers played really well. Uh, Connor, do you kind of agree that at least in this position group, it was you know it's wise for the Lions to, to kind of do, do this and stick with a known commodity? Yeah, no doubt. And I think um, it's, it's certainly something where his first year in Detroit, it's, it's kind of difficult to judge a linebacker when your front four, front three, whatever the case may be, is just such an absolute mess. Right. Um, and, and this year he was just so productive. And I think, and I know that Luke will agree with me on this one. For me, one of the most important things for these linebackers, safeties, guys that are making a lot of tackles, a lot of plays is availability, right? Can you, can you stay on the field? And um, with him playing, I believe it was 16 games last year and 14 the year before um, you hope that he can continue to do that, right? A a guy that knows the defense, a smart guy, um, a guy that's going to keep developing a guy like Malcolm Rodriguez, but ultimately a guy that can stay on the field and make a hundred plus tackles um, as well in in a division where it's going to be cold in some of those places late in the year. And it's not very much fun to do that. Yeah, he played uh, 17 games, started 15, um, played 95% of the defensive snaps for Detroit last year. Insane. Um, yeah, I mean, and you can just look at it year over year, the the improvement, and that's what you want to see out of, out of players that you bring into your system. You know, he never got quite used the right way in New Orleans for, you know, that they had a lot of talent at linebacker there at the same time, but it comes to Detroit goes from 50% to 77% all the way up to 95% snap share last year. 
Um, you know, his numbers don't particularly jump off the screen. 125 tackles is really nice, but he's in the right place at the right time. He's got kind of like a reminds me of Jalen Reeves, maybe another, another vol, another lion, um, you know, not a flashy player, but he's the one that you want on your side. Definitely. And they'll, like you've said, they're going to use him and have used him even more than you're going to use a guy like Reeves Maven. Like you're just not going to take this guy out the field, no matter what down it is. So, I mean, to, like it, it was, this is probably the most um, contentious of the signings that I've, or uh, controversial of the signings that I've seen amongst Lions fans today. Um, but like, to me, I mean, Six million a year is not a crazy amount to to pay a productive guy that is making a lot of tackles for you. The the Vikings just paid that for a, a tight end who has twenty four career catches. You know, after so, giving up draft capital for Hawkinson <laughs> earlier this year, you can certainly spend your money a lot worse than a ninety five percent snap share linebacker who does good things. And it, it it's not he's not just starting because there's no one else. He's starting because he does the right things. Um, Again, he huge fan of what the Lions have done today. Interested to see how they um, attack the rest of the free agency. Obviously, two very uh, big Dan Campbell imprint signings so far today. Uh, Connor, what else do they need to, uh, you know, go after? Obviously, we have the draft coming up in about a month and a half. A lot of needs will be addressed there for most teams. But in free agency, what are the areas that they need veterans you know right right away what what should their free agency targets be after the two signings today that's a great question I think um the only other one that I would say on defense would maybe be on the interior defensive line they did resign Isaiah Bugs today but they're probably looking to use him a little bit less on the interior and you know in terms of his usage rate than they did this year another guy that played a lot more than they expected to um offensively I could see them going out and trying to do kind of a similar to DJ Chark from last year kind of deal. Like DJ Chark, da, 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 DJ Chark, da, 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 DJ Chark. Eight to 11 million, somewhere in there, but not DJ Chark. I think that, you know, at this point, it looks like he probably won't be re-signed. Um, and, you know, he just didn't play a ton of games last year, unfortunately. It just didn't, didn't really work out. Uh, but, you know, something like that. The other, the last uh, guy that, you know, fans are really wondering right now if they are going to resign is Jamal Williams um, running back. Um, and and my thing is if you don't want to pay Jamal Williams, that's fine, but you better go find somebody that can do those things that Jamal Williams can do. Because again, Deandre Swift is not going to be available every week this year. He's going to be injured sometimes. Um, and, and you need a guy that's going to be able to suit up for 15 games and, and take 20 carries and be able to get between the tackles and get four yards for you. So um, we'll see if they, they go back with, with Williams, but if not, they need to, um, you know, go out and get somebody because Justin Jackson as your RB two is not going to cut it. hundred percent agree. Uh, Jamal Williams is one that kind of fell off my radar, but I do remember seeing a, a week or so ago that the, the, the lions are expected to have some competition there in the free agency market for his services. He reminds me, um, a little bit of like a Mike Tolbert where, you know, it, you don't want him necessarily as your every down back, but he's going to score every time he's on the goal line. And if you need him for a couple of games here and there, he can get you a hundred yards on the ground and a touchdown. You don't want to oh, yeah. ride him like that if you don't have to, but uh, it, he is, I, I think he's very underappreciated across the league because everyone just thinks he's a touchdown vulture. They see he's leading the NFL in touchdowns and they, that's just what they think that they think he's just a touchdown vulture. Go watch some of those games he had to play um, instead of, of DeAndre Swift. 
and come back and tell me that he's back. still just a yeah. Come back and tell me he's still just a touchdown vulture. That guy could be an every down back. I don't know what his um, you know, uh injury resistance would be like on a full 17, 18 game schedule, but that dude is an every down back if you need him to be. Broke a thousand yards this year, so there you go. Man. And and, and he's just like the coolest dude ever, too. Like he's just it, he he is so unapologetically him that I that's why I'm a fan of his. Same for sure. He of the, the Carlton fame after scoring a touchdown against the Saints in New Orleans. Look up the video <laughs> if you if you have it. Um, but um, with that in mind, though, Connor, what what kind of cap space are the Lions looking at? Like, how realistic is it that they're going to go out and get somebody make a big splash um, in, in free agency, or is this going to be one of those off seasons where they're more quietly adding kind of depth pieces because they don't have a lot of cap space? They don't have a ton, and I think it's going to be a couple guys, right? Like. Uh, Michael Brockers, they saved 10 million by releasing him. Um, a couple other guys that, you know, DJ Chark, they're probably not going to bring back. That's another 10, 11 million that you're going to get back. But, you know, the original um, idea was that they were going to have a lot of cap space this year because Jared Goff was just going to be a placeholder quarterback. Um, you know, that has since shifted. We're going to keep his contract on the books. This would have been the first year that they could have kind of gotten out from under that. But, you know, they're going to hold on to him. Um, I think this is kind of going to be close to it in terms of uh, free agency moves, unless they, you know, give Williams seven, $8 million is probably what it's going to take at this point. Um, but I, I don't see them making a ton of other um, impact moves for next year. I'm just looking to see if I can find an updated salary cap page. Um, it's just hard. Uh, Cause you like, you don't know what Anzalone's cap hit's going to be this year, right? You don't know yeah. what, Exactly. What Sutton's cap hit is going to be this year, so it's just tough to say. Yeah, Brock Wright, Shane Zylstra, Craig Reynolds, Scott Daly, are, and Benito Jones are also on this particular tool as on the roster, but with no cap hit associated. Um, this one is showing about $19 million without those guys factored in. Like you said, we don't know what the hit will be, but if you just take an average, Cam Sutton's coming in about 11. 11. And uh, Anzalone's, like you said, about six, six and a half. So, I mean, you're talking about three for Isaiah Bugs, and you're, you know, then you're you're talking about a lot of money. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. You got, I mean, uh, of course, we've seen teams do restructuring and clear up 30 million in cap, like nobody's business. Like the Browns did that. uh, You know, the Chargers have done that. So it's possible if the piece is out there. But um, I think the, I think the Lions actually have a roster that, you don't really have to do you don't have to do a whole lot of that um if if you're able to great go make it stronger but um yeah you get you have some guys you might have to pay in the next couple of years in okuda jamison williams so probably not a bad idea to just keep a, a a little bit of flexibility if you can the other thing i liked about it is that it doesn't necessarily whether you look at linebacker or defensive tackle or you know or corner any of those three defensive spots that they kind of um, either re-signed or upgraded at today it doesn't really take them out of you know taking one of those positions in the first or second round of the draft um, I, they're not so deep at one of those spots that they couldn't bring in a guy that needs to play at least 40 percent of the time right off the bat so I think that's that gives them some flexibility going into the draft too so we're opening it up a little bit to the rest of the division uh, one team that's been very very active on this first day is uh, the, the Chicago Bears um Tremaine Edmonds there's Tremaine right there's there's three of them Tremaine Edmonds getting that four-year 72 million dollar deal which uh that that might have some effect on the linebacker market and uh the the Vikings 
uh, the, the one piece of Vikings news that's associated with me today is Cameron Dantzler <laughs> just signed with the commanders. Uh, or I guess we claimed him off waivers from, from Minnesota, but uh, oh, you said you, you paid, well, well, you said you paid a little more attention to the NFC North uh, for obvious reasons. And then Alex, Alex kind of texted me and was like, well, that's because that's where most of it's happening. So I guess we'll start in Chicago. Um, what do you think of this Edmonds signing? It's pretty shocking, man. I mean, they, they obviously have a lot of cap space and now they're going to have a lot of draft capital. They're going to be able to improve in a hurry, right? Justin Fields, I think is a really good quarterback. Um, it's, it's a little scary because the bears, you know, they go through these stretches where they're not very good. And then they find themselves as a really good football team again. Um, I don't know that this one move improves their defense enough to make them like the NFC North favorite right off the bat, but it's definitely something that makes you think, obviously I feel a little bit better about it because the two tackles that the lions have, but um, he is a, a game record, no matter who you have on the line. Yeah, I think that this was the NFL record for a contract for an inside linebacker, um, Tremaine Edmonds. So, uh, but the Bears certainly um, not not afraid to sling around a lot of that cap space that they have. Um, in, in a in a, a lot of ways, it reminds me of what I experienced as a Jaguars fan last year, um, having a lot of cap space, having a lot of holes, and um, you know, well, we didn't trade our first pick, obviously, and pick up a receiver and some picks, but. Um, you know, we signed Foyer Luacon and uh, a whole host of defenders drafted a lot of defense and re- re- that, that one year of salary cap can set you up so well if you have the right young quarterback. Um, and that's, that, that's, that's where the bears are to me. Now we, we have almost erased every possible other issue this team could have. If, if something still goes wrong, you have, you have to just maybe start looking Justin Fields in the face and saying, okay, you're a great runner, but we, we've given you Chase Claypool and DJ Moore on the outside. You have David Montgomery, Cole Komet, decent offensive line. Like, what? why can't you win? We'll see if that happens this year, but they're certainly erasing a lot of those excuses um, that have floated for why Justin Fields and the Bears did not win last year. I, I definitely agree, although I will, in defense of Justin Fields, say that that was at least – by the time the Lions played them twice, that was a horrendous roster. That was not a very good football team at that point of the year. <laughs> I, I, I can't I can't blame him. That's yeah. I just want to also go out there on, on the record. I'm not blaming Justin Fields. All I'm saying is this removes any excuse that you could give the Justin Fields going forward. Similar no to doubt. what the Jaguars did for Trevor Lawrence. If Trevor Lawrence had had a really bad season and kept that going from you know the way the season started. You, you just kind of have to point at Trevor Lawrence and say, okay, dude, you know, it's year two. I understand year one, but c- come on, you're, you're, you're a top pick. What, what's going on? And that, that's what the bears have done. That's what you have to do. They've put everything around him that he needs. Now he's just got to go do it. The lions kind of got to uh, the same place in a different way with Jared Goff last year, even though he wasn't a, uh, a rookie, but s- same idea. <laughs> Certainly. And that they, they looked good. And that was without their, you know, uh, arguably maybe their most valuable overall asset in, in Jamison Williams for most of the year. So uh, excited to see what uh, what we've talked about this, but I'm excited to see what he does this year, fully healthy. Yeah, you got to see a couple flashes this year, especially in that last Sunday night game, seeing him just yeah. break loose and run for a touchdown was like, wow, this guy is just gliding in a way that these other guys are not. So that that's going to be a lot of fun to watch. So the, the, the one NFC North team we have not, touched on is the one who probably has the the biggest fluctuation between 
next year and last year, depending on what happens. Like I said, Trey Wingo reported that the deal was done to send Aaron Rodgers to the Jets. Uh, Schefter, Rappaport both said, hold on, not so fast. It's not done. Trey Wingo has been right every step of the way with this Rodgers stuff. So I think everyone expects it to happen. But um, what, what, what is your outlook as a Lions fan next year, assuming – don't care where he is. Maybe he's off in South America, you know, doing ayahuasca. I don't uh, assume he's not <laughs> in green Bay. What are you, what is your outlook for the, for the division next year? Like it is an NFC North title in your sights as a Lions fan with Aaron Rodgers out of the division. I would say, even if he's in the division, there's no excuses not to win there it. I go. think that, yeah, I think that, uh, you know, obviously he's the, he would still be in my opinion, the best quarterback in the division, but, I, I don't think that they've done enough to help him. And I don't think that Matt LaFleur is a great football coach, quite frankly. Um, and I think that, uh, you know, he could go to a, a Jets team that's ready to be just microwaved into a really good football team. But I, if, if, if the Packers have Jordan Love, I think that um, the Lions should have the expectation of being the favorite. And obviously that is famous last words because any, any sort of expectation for the Lions is, you know, they're always going to fall short, but look, I mean, I, they look like the most talented and well-coached football team at this point to me. And obviously that's easy to say in March, but um, yeah, they're they're They seem to be uh, able to hold the pieces that they need to, to keep this thing going together for the time being. What a, what a time to be alive. We have a Lions fan who has the NFC North in their sights live and in person on this show. Uh, and and I think he's right. Weird. <laughs> yeah, I think I think Matt LaFleur got exposed at least as a kind of an overrated coach. I'm just I for one was really tired of hearing about how Matt LaFleur and Sean McVay and Kyle Shanahan were on the same coaching staff in Washington. <laughs> and now you kind of see like, oh, it was more the players. Um I, I, I don't know, man. I, I like Jordan Love. I liked him coming out of college, but I don't think it's out of line to think the Packers could take a major, major step down next year, but still a lot of free agency to, 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 to play out. I'm sure they'll, you know, they'll make their moves too. And they, they still do have two pretty good running backs uh, in AJ Dillon and Aaron Jones, unless Aaron Jones walks, but didn't they, didn't they work something out with him? Or I can't remember. I know his contract was kind of I mean, uh, shaky. He, Point he's any of those running backs point. that are getting a little older yeah yeah he's he's signed they signed him okay. like two years ago and really screwed themselves because they gave him one of those like 30 million dollar a year deals before running backs but before Debo Samuel and Cordero Patterson changed the game <laughs> um I mean and I'll, also before they kind of knew what AJ Dillon was going to be they didn't realize they didn't really need to pay Aaron Jones what they are so they're a little bit behind the cap gun there until it goes uh, until he's done um it, it, interesting because they have no receivers I mean they, they have the the rookies but they oh yeah they are not giving Jordan Love much to work with if he is indeed the quarterback next year of course they, they oh. should have a lot of free space if Aaron Rodgers goes elsewhere so no love um, for Romeo Dubes I know that's not how he says it. That's how we say it on the right hash. Plenty of love if he ever gets on the godforsaken fields. Plenty of love. <laughs> you know the Packers are gonna Packers are gonna roll with dudes this year as one of their wide receivers. The Rogers cap hit was supposed to be um 
I believe it was like 58 million if he stays with the Packers. So that, yeah, that's going to free God. up a little bit for them. I, I, I don't have that in front of me, but I mean, it was something above 50. It was crazy. They need to fix the offensive line too. I mean, that's, that should be a priority for uh, having seen the Packers in like one game this year against Washington. I was like, they need to fix that offensive line. <laughs> it, it should be illegal to be in the state of Wisconsin with a ho-hum line. Right. Like, I mean, you get, you literally have like the university of Wisconsin right there that just churns out offensive linemen. Like they're in big 10 country. It's yeah, let, let them play on Sundays as part of an NIL deal. <laughs> that, that might not be too far off. <laughs> given the way things are I love that. Football. Sponsored by whatever whatever cheese dominates Wisconsin, University of Wisconsin Athletics. I should know that's kind of what I do for a living, but but I don't. Um, but uh man, a lot of just a lot of a lot of stuff went down today. Um a lot of lot of stuff to uh to recap but connor thanks for uh thanks for jumping on and uh uh just any we'll kind of open the floor for any any kind of random banter um you know ba- baseball's just around the corner uh the you know alex alex is enjoying college baseball because uh tennessee is is finally good at it um we we from virginia know that college baseball is an annual tradition um the who's were the, the last unbeaten team as a matter of fact in college baseball this year won a series two to one at north carolina um, I, I will probably touch on this a little bit later in the show in our positive hot boxes, but um, I, I know you're, you're paying attention to, to the college baseball. Yeah, absolutely. And um, obviously with UVA starting out so hot last year, and then once they got to the conference season, just sputtering, it was really nice to see them. Obviously this early in the season, you don't know who everyone's going to be, but Carolina is such a tradition rich program that you go down to UNC and win two out of three on the road. You feel really good about where you're at, especially with, um, three starting pitchers that were not there last year. So, um, yeah, there's a lot to like about that that team and college baseball as a whole. I think it's going to be a really exciting season. And uh, Jake Geloff still raking. You know, a little bit different Virginia teams from when we were growing up. It was always get on base, bunt, hit a single, score. And now you've got guys like Geloff who it's like expected that he hits a home run every time he comes to the plate. Well, it was funny. It's funny that you bring that up because I went the first game that I went to this year was against Columbia and it was their Sunday game and um, UVA had taken the first two and uh, it was a zero zero game in like the seventh or eighth inning and UVA got a runner on base and finally uh, O'Connor had had enough and was like, nope, we're bunting. (laughs) It was like, man, he's turning back the clock back to like 2013. (laughs) It was it was pretty fun to watch. So. Yeah, well, not not to be left out. Alex also has a, a not a non-Tennessee uh, baseball shout out to give here uh, as we as we near halftime. Yeah, yeah, man. Just get, <clears throat> here at the very end, they were obviously already ranked, but this is now officially the first time in Campbell history that a program has been ranked in the top twenty of their you know uh, these Division One sports. So, um, yeah, big Campbell time. coming in at 19, 12 and two on the year, big big wins so far they beat ECU they you know it's not been a it's not been a candy land type of schedule and they've they've hung through it even with the guys going pro Zach Neto and a couple of other guys going pro um they've they've backfilled and they're they're a really fun team to watch and I'm convinced you you, you can't drive 15 minutes in the state of North Carolina this year without hitting the top 20 baseball teams so get in your car go find a baseball field it's probably top 20 uh, sit down and watch Luke you're going to experience this being where you are with Wake Forest they're number four in the country last I saw maybe up to three um, they got a really good baseball squad this year too so you'll be able to walk out of your front door you know ca- catch a bus or something and go watch Wake Forest play 
Yeah, man, keep an eye in June too. I will actually be in Charlottesville on regional weekend. So if there's a regional in that park where they're like, there usually is, you know, with given the, the nature of how the NCAA does this, not, not be surprised to maybe see Campbell playing at Davenport field in the first weekend of June. That would, that would be something else. That would be a right hash holiday. If, if you they, will, the holidays, they, play, they played in Knoxville last year. So yep. it's only right that they go to Charlottesville. And of course, mm-hmm. NC state dodges them on the schedule this year. <laughs> cowards uh, appro- appropriately. That's, that's cowards. just the way it goes. No, I think if, if we have any sort of crossover in the NCAA tournament, there definitely has to be a, a live right hash show. That, that's gotta be a thing that, that occurs. From the University Hall parking lot. Well, the old University Hall parking lot. <laughs> Real ones, no. <laughs> but, yeah, well, when, when we get the four seats matched up, Tennessee versus Virginia in the Elite Eight, we'll do something. <laughs> uh, uh, no doubt about that. Uh, <laughs> oh, man. Well, Connor, thanks a lot for joining us, man. Uh, glad you had the time. Say hey to the family for us. Uh, all, all that good stuff. Um, th- thanks a lot, man. We always enjoy it. Will do, man. Thank you, guys. I'll talk to you guys soon. All right, man, take it easy. That's Connor Lilly joining us on the Speedy Customs Hotline. Maybe the most impassioned Detroit Lions fan, you know. Definitely the biggest Detroit Lions fan in Charlottesville. I I can tell you that uh, for for a fact, uh, having known him for, you know, 20-something years. But, um, uh, yeah, so we we called the Audible. Uh, We were actually going to give that Campbell Campbell baseball shout-out at the top of the show. But, of course, you know, things happen in the real world and here on the right hash. But, yeah, man, that's quietly one of the better – college football pro or college baseball programs in, in the, this region and in the country. And you know, it kind of speaks to the talent level of, of this state, you know, you can, you don't, like you said, you can just get in the car and drive 15 minutes and, Oh, you're at a high school where a guy who's multiple guys are going to go D one. So, you know, Campbell really becoming a beneficiary of that um, kind of trickle down as college baseball continues to get bigger. Yeah. It's, it's been fantastic to watch and, you know, they, they finally got some scholarships to pass around on the campus. Um, really, I'm really waiting for that to hit basketball. That's really the, I, I would say, the sport that hasn't quite got over the, the hump, so to speak. <laughs> um, uh, but, I mean, in the same vein, they made the Big South championship game. Got, you know, Asheville came back on them. They were, they were so close. We talked about this last show. Um, so close to, to making it in there. Um, I, I'm just, I, I'm, I'm proud. It, it, it's weird that I can go mention Campbell now to folks regionally who aren't from North Carolina and they know what I'm talking about because they saw him play baseball. They saw, saw him play a little bit of basketball. They've seen what they've been doing in football. Um, so big things happen in a little old Bowie's Creek, North Carolina, about 10 minutes down the road from me. Yeah. Very might be the closest college campus to our studios tied with Wake Forest, I guess, if you count both branches of the Nasser Alexander Kuchecki Studios. Um, so actually, I, I may live closer to Winston-Salem State. I don't know. I'll, I mean, I'll measure it one day. In, in football, they're the 97th ranked recruiting class in America, like a top 100 recruiting class, and they're not even Division One. Hmm. They'll I be mean, joining they, a new – they're joining a new conference, the Colonial, yeah, I believe. That, so. Yeah, they, 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 they'll be part of it going, you know, soon. That They'll kind of be – in the competitive uh, conference, but I mean, that's, they're, they're like 10 spots below app state and ECU. And I know, you know, for Tennessee fans, it's like, Oh my God, if we were down there, I'd kill, kill myself. But <laughs> as, as Campbell, you know, I, I had the opportunity to walk on at Campbell when I started there, when Mike Venter just got there, they, they just had open practices like, Hey, warm body, come in and help. Football 
treehouse. What the hell's a treehouse? I, I, I didn't. I, I never played football in my life like that. Uh, but that's where Campbell was when I was there in the early two, 2010s. And flash forward 10 years, and they're already recruiting at a national level. It's just it, – it's great. And what we didn't have this Campbell soapbox on our, on our uh, schedule today, but I'm glad I got to have it. Yeah, I, I, we, I was going to say, you, you, you come down the rabbit hole, you never know what you're going to see or hear. And uh, a five-minute uh, little uh, ode to the Campbell Camels, which you, we're always down for stuff like that. A natural break in our, our avalanche of NFL free agency talk, because when we had Connor on, we were going to keep it to, to what, what he's focused on. But now that Connor has come and gone, we will open up even further because there's just been a hell of a lot that's gone on today. There's no other way to put it. Uh, we, we had this show on the agenda actually for several days, and as we've said, neither of us really registered that it was NFL free agency day. Um, so we ended up with, I ended up with some notes and those notes are pretty much useless now because so much more has happened on the NFL front. But I will start, of course, with the Washington Commanders because they inked Duran Payne to a four-year $90 million deal, uh, locking him in with Jonathan Allen on the defensive line, $60 million guaranteed. Um, so that was the next priority in the offseason for Washington. A really, really good move there. A lot of flurry of moves. Most of these are depth, um, adding Cameron Dantzler from the Vikings, re-signing Danny Johnson, who's also a cornerback, um, bringing in Cody Barton, who is kind of a, a – I, I don't really know much about him. He's the linebacker from Seattle. Um, might be a kind of a prove-it deal for him on a one-year deal. And um, it's two guards signed for Washington, Nick Gates from the Giants and Andrew Wiley from the Chiefs, who brings familiarity – with the Eric B enemy system. But um, I still think that, you know, even with the two guard signings, there still needs to be more done on the offensive line. I think maybe even center should be a position that gets looked at. Nick Gates can also play center, but I think I'd rather have him at guard if he plays. So that, that's, that's my jumping point here in this, uh, this free agency talk. Uh, it's still too early in. for me to pass a ton of judgment on everything except Deron Payne, but. Uh, yeah, bef before we get to Deron Payne, I'm going to jump in here. While Connor was on, I saw this pop up. I'm watching uh, the NFL Network, obviously, for their free agency stuff. And uh, I don't know if this is news to you. It's something that kind of been thrown around, but it looks a little bit more official now. Uh, it seems as if the commanders are going to extend an offer sheet to Lamar Jackson. What are your thoughts? Pardon me. I was muted there. Um, first of all, I need to see what – what, where are you seeing this? Because I want to see it too. <laughs> it, it, like I said, it came across about five minutes ago while Connor was on here, but it was on the NFL network. Um, and it says sources indicate that uh, the Washington commanders are looking at extending an offer sheet to Lamar Jackson. Huh? Well, first of all, I will say if he comes to Washington and it, and it doesn't work out, we can say, sorry, Mr. Jackson, we are for real. Uh, never meant to make you cry. No, no, okay. Uh, not, not going to work, but I would like yeah. it, man. I just, I would like it. I would like it. It is, it, it's something that this franchise just needs to do. And it's something they haven't done in the last several years. I mean, it would just rock the boat. I mean, that, that, I guess that's the best way for me to put it. I have no control over how it actually turns out on the field. Maybe it turns out like an RG3 situation on that FedEx turf, like everyone wants to talk about every time somebody gets injured. Maybe he doesn't fit the Eric Bianami offense yada 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 i could go on and on with potential horror stories about what would happen with lamar jackson in washington 
But in this short-term period, in this offseason, I'd be stoked, man. I'd be stoked about the possibilities. You know, I'd be stoked about having a quarterback who can actually run out of the pocket and not look like he's a chicken with his head cut off like Taylor Heineke. I, I would just, I would really, really enjoy it. This team has a large black fan base in a majority black city. They would really, really like to, you know, to have a black quarterback. You saw, we saw it with RG3 10 years ago. The, the team's fan base's culture was just as good as I've ever seen it. And so that, that's another element to it. I think, I think a lot of the fan base that has stuck around with the name change is DC's black community. And I, I think having Lamar Jackson in the fold would just elevate that even more. Yeah. It's, it's really interesting. It, it, it has to be maybe the most polarizing contract discussion I've been alive for, at least that I can think of where you have this player who in a vacuum is probably worth roughly what a Josh Allen, a Patrick Mahomes and Aaron Rodgers, you know, a top, what a top five quarterback is worth. But then, then you, then you start to list some of the variables that go into his contract where, you know, those guys don't have nearly the guaranteed money he's asking for. Um, they don't have nearly the injury history he has. And I know you'll say, well, he hasn't had anything season ending. Well, he also hasn't ended the last two seasons. He's missed one third of his last two years um, with nagging injuries and also wants an all guaranteed $250 million contract. What he ultimately gets, I don't know. He doesn't have an agent. This is, it's, it's one of those things. Um, I, I, I hope he has people in his ear that are helping guide him through this because he can take one offer sheet to the Ravens. He can't take the, the commander's one and they say no or, or yes. And then he's like, okay, I'm going to go get the one from the, you know, Falcons and I'm going to go get the one. No, you get this. You as the player get to submit one. Um, so that, that should be good news for Washington. If they're going to submit an offer sheet for him, they must have, they're not just going to like email it over. What's your Yahoo. Let's see what this is looking like. Like that. They would have discussed this with him. Um, uh, another point for you talking about the, you know, just the, the local fans, this would th- I think this would bring a lot of Ravens fans into being side commanders fans just because of the, you know, the, the, the inbreeding in that area, the DMV, you know, the Baltimore, the Washington, the Virginia, that, that clump, there's people who live in DC and like Baltimore live in Baltimore and like DC. Uh, I think this would be almost a great continuity move. If he does move away from Baltimore, Washington would be an ideal place. I think for almost everyone involved. Yeah, and this is a discussion that the namesake of our studios and I used to have all the time when we were roommates because he being born on the Maryland (laughs) side and me being born on the Virginia side had vastly different opinions of the Baltimore Ravens. And, you know, ignoring the fact that we were both Orioles fans, I I couldn't stand that a lot of uh, Redskins fans were also Ravens fans on the side. But it is an interesting point because the stadiums are less than an hour apart. Uh, Who knows what's going to happen with the Ravens now? That's a franchise that seems to be on its last legs in terms of, always just kind of being there as a contender. Um, and it's been a while since they were really, really, really bad. So, you know, I, I do know a lot of, you know, Washington fans who are like, yeah, I root for the Ravens on the side. Not so many from, you know, where I am in Virginia, but that is definitely a very real, real point. So I, I appreciate you bringing that up. Um, another player that Washington has been uh, not, not linked to in, in any terms of official uh, sense today but just somebody who i've seen people tweet about is austin eckler who's on the trade block um and that one gives me a little bit more pause uh just because 
with running backs and stuff and what he'll cost. But interesting to me that the chargers are willing to get rid of him. And I wonder what they're going to get for him because he is a, you know, a really solid player and a really solid fantasy player. If you followed the right hash league this year. Yeah. I mean, it kind of, it's interesting that he's doing it now with Derrick Henry supposedly not untouchable as far as the Titans go. You, you have to think that both of their trade values hamper each other being available at the same time. Not that they're whatsoever the same style of running back, but just having that tier of running back uh, available. And as we discussed with, you know, kind of in Connor's uh, NFC North dive, we talked about Aaron Jones and I, I think that's probably one of the contracts that really makes franchises pause these days on signing big deals of running backs. And it's not because Aaron Jones has played poorly. It's just because you can be like the chiefs and go find Jarek McKinnon in the unemployment line and plug him in and go win a super bowl. There's so many running backs that don't have jobs that are good. Um, it's not to say that Austin Eckler isn't a difference maker. He's certainly certainly is a difference maker he's the best player on that team um but at the end of the day you have to weigh what could i get for this i don't know let's say 30 million dollars a year maybe what he commands i'm throwing that out hypothetically what could i get for that 30 million dollars a year um with a, a vet minimum running back like uh jarek mckinnon like i just mentioned what could i do with that 30 million that i that I can't do with having Eckler and not that 30 million. Um, the Titans are maybe in a little bit different situation because there's no replacements for Derrick Henry. I can find guys who do what Eckler does, just not at the level Eckler does it, but I can find guys who, who do that. And the, the, the chiefs did that and they won the Super Bowl. So I, I, I think that's probably why he's asking for a trade. The chargers are being smart and probably a little bit analytical saying, Sorry, dude. Um, love you. Thanks for everything that you've done. We hope that you stay around. Uh, we hope that we can come to an agreement, but you know, it's just a position that isn't worth what some of your peers signed contracts for in the last three or four years. And I, I, I think that's okay. Yeah. I just, I still, still just think that if, if a running back is on the way out, it kind of, I feel like the team knows something we don't. Um, yeah, it's, just, it's it's he's one of those guys. I'm just going to be following. It's going to be following. Like, where does he go, and how does he fit into to where he ends up? I mean, would, the Jaguars wouldn't have any interest, would they? I mean, uh, no, not with ETN. Yeah, um, I mean, I didn't well, think so. I, I just, I'm just kind of struggling well, to think like who's in the market for a guy like that. Well, that, that that's kind of what I'm saying. Like, and even look at the guys who are available, like Chase Edmonds, Kareem Hunt, Jamal Williams, uh, Raheem Mostert. Uh, Deonta Foreman had a really nice year for Carolina last year. Samaje Pirine, uh, Leonard Fournette, Miles Sanders, uh, Jarek McKinnon, uh, like I've mentioned him a couple of times. Royce Freeman, um, Jeff Wilson was really big just two years ago. Kenyon Drake, Marlon Mack, David Montgomery is a free agent. Devin Singletary, Alexander Madison. Like, all, that, look at how many guys I just named. Those are the ones without homes. And that those are the ones that he's going to ask to be paid more than James Robinson. You know, that there's a lot of running backs and there's probably 60 or 70 spots in the NFL for him. Um, Eckler is certainly in the top five of them, but is it worth it? You know, it's, it's like 
paying $7 million for a blocking tight end, Minnesota. Yeah, you can do it. Should you? I, I don't know. Probably not worth it. Um, yeah, it, it's, it's one of those that I could see either side of it, but um, the Chargers are going to have to pay Justin Herbert. They're, they locked in to pay Mike Williams. They're, they have so many defensive players, Derwin James it comes to mind, that they're going to have to pay the Bosa. $30 million on Eckler might seem like nothing, but once it turns into other star players not being able to resign, you really start to think, man, we could make this work with uh, Jarek McKinnon. <laughs> uh, Jarek McKinnon is just always going to be the classic example of the, the just a guy who, like, once you plug him in exactly where you need to plug him in, like, he's like – it's like the 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 crystals in uh in end game like you get them plugged in perfectly and then everything works but uh but yeah yeah i, I a guy Austin Eckler that's that's not he, i think Washington could be in a similar situation with Antonio Gibson uh going into next season this is the last year i think of his rookie deal uh and he, they're going to have a crossroads as to whether to pay pay him or just let him walk so uh the, and i think I, i'm interested to see how how running backs are drafted this spring because i wonder if we're going to see a shift in taking debo samuel type guys instead of you know the more traditional bigger running backs if that goes starts in the draft and then trickles down to you know the rest of the nfl i wonder if that precedent has been set at that level yet um i mean just based on what i've looked at in draft predictions some some draft boards don't even have Bijan robinson the number one running back going in the first round that's 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 where the running back value is right now. It's it's on the floor because you you can find those guys anywhere. It, it's you know it, it it sounds demeaning to say it because I understand that Austin Eckler is better than Jarek McKinnon. Austin Eckler is better than Bijan Robinson. The the question you have to ask is is this piece that we're going to run headfirst into the defensive line 20 to 30 times a game for an entire season worth spending all that money on? Or are we better off spending a small amount of money on it for a guy who is uh, roughly good enough to do the same tasks and still run him headfirst into the defensive line? But we don't really care because he costs us a million dollars on our salary cap. We've got three more on the bench, plug another one in. Look, look at what uh, the Eagles have done. I mean, if you tried to start an Eagles running back in the last five years, you wind up kicking yourself because it was Smallwood and then it was Gainwell and then it was Boston Scott and then it was Miles Sanders. All these guys who are like, who the fuck is that? And lo and behold, they all did. They just, they all did something. And I think the NFL is going more that way. And then going along with what you said, you have, those Swiss army knife type of guys who are starting to get identified like a DJ Moore, LaVisca Chenault a little bit. I think he's just maybe not as good as everyone thought he was going to be, but same type of player. You're starting to see the NFL gear towards that. Honestly, the NFL is gearing to run left and right, not North and South anymore from the line of scrimmage. Um, and that really hurts those traditional running backs. Yeah, this, this has been a slow period so far for both running backs and wide receivers. I, I think it'll pick up. You know, I, I think it kind of happens this way. You know, the, the less glamorous positions kind of get these deals first. Um, and, you know, I, for one, I'm glad that my team is just 
getting those getting the trenches kind of solidified still remains to be seen how these new guards are going to fit into the offense but you know the duran Payne uh signing uh i i i'm gonna eat crow on that because uh i i last show i said it i was like kirk cousins got the franchise tag he didn't stay brandon sheriff got the franchise tag he didn't stay well duran Payne is staying for the next four years so that represents a seismic shift in the way this team has done business with its best players. And I just, I, I look forward to that, that the new owner, hopefully whoever it is, is kind of does more of this. And it was, it was always a problem for years, guys leaving Washington and playing much, much better. And, you know, I, I got sick of seeing it. It would have really made me sick to see Deron Payne uh, play, play or play well in another city. So that, that was a, another, another uh, priority for the off season checked off. And the way we know this is a, is a great show is that we're an hour in and we haven't even talked about quarterbacks yet. So that's, that's how, you know, that we, we cover all of our, our positions on the right hash. Um, before, but, before we move to them, can I ask you one thing about the Ron Payne? I yeah. kind of touched on it offline, but um, you know, he, he, he signs that deal. It's the second largest defensive tackle deal ever behind Aaron Donald. Um, I, I, I'll admit, I know Deron Payne is good, but I've not, actively watched him enough to know whether or not he is in the Aaron Donald's like hemisphere. What, what are your thoughts on the value of the deal is, is Deron Payne? I mean, I'm just going to assume Aaron Donald's pretty close to being done. Is Deron Payne the best defensive tackle in the NFL? That is not uh, um, Aaron Donald's. And I'm going to pause you and let you know that it's Chris Jones, but Outside of Chris Jones, <laughs> is it is Deron Payne the best defensive tackle in the NFL? No, I, I wouldn't. I, I wouldn't say that with certainty. But uh, the way he improved from last year to this year, um, you know, went to ha- having double digit sacks for the first time in his career, and him just being the kind of run stopper that he is, uh, eating up double teams uh, in the trenches, and you know, he he was in the backfield a lot more than we'd seen him. Uh, I, so to answer your question, no, I don't think he's the best outside of the two you mentioned. Uh, but what this does, getting him locked down early, is this this makes it so we don't have to watch other teams reset the market. You know, we're kind of the ones that reset the market, and we've got him locked down. And now these contracts are going to get just more expensive. You know, we see Javon Hargrave getting what he's getting from San Francisco. And I don't think Javon Hargrave is on the level of Deron Payne. So you, you, we're going to see this, yeah. this market reset. And I'm just glad Washington was one of the first ones to get in on it, as opposed to being like the fifth or sixth. And then having Deron Payne being like, oh, but this guy got this kind of money and it being that sort of circus. Sure. And that that's, that's a really good point. It's something to take in consideration. Sometimes it's not the worst being the trendsetter. It's the ones that have to pay to keep up with the trend. Um, yeah. I mean, it's, it's called Mahomes money for a reason. right? So in that, in that same vein, obviously, and I saw you tweet this, but it was going through my mind when I saw the pain deal, where does that leave funds? Where does that leave your attention for, next year next two years when you know you're, you're going to be in the same position with chase young and montez sweat to me it seems like at best you're going to have to choose one of those guys but depending on what you do let's say you know lamar jackson or an austin eckler or something like that big transpires you know you, you've done this do you even think you have the wiggle room to keep either one of them yeah it's it's tough it's 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 all these these tough decisions that front offices have to make and I think, I think ultimately we're going to have to end up choosing one or the other. Uh, and I, I just could not tell who, tell you who it is at this moment. Uh, I, I think Chase Young is a much more attractive trade option 
Um, And I really think we can get value for either of those guys. Uh, Eichmann says Sweat is more consistent. Chase Young had that even before his injury. He was a little more hot and cold. Um, So I don't think they're both going to be on the team long term. Uh, But looking at the rest of the roster, um, they're going to have a quarterback on a rookie deal. Ostensibly, this as of this recording, nothing has actually happened with Lamar Jackson. So I'm operating as if it's still going to be Sam Howell. Going to have a quarterback on a rookie deal. um, And it gives you some flexibility to to build up all those, you know, those other positions. I don't see Curtis Samuel being on the roster uh, this coming season. A um, couple, a couple other guys, I think are going to, going to be off the roster. You know, Cole Holcomb. Uh, so I think linebacker is still another position where it's still a position where we're going to have to spend a little bit more money to make a splash. And I wouldn't mind us going after a, a wide receiver that we might have to shell out a little bit for too, and kind of get somebody opposite Terry that will be, more comfortable in this offense. Cause I think Curtis Samuel was very much a Scott Turner uh, addition. And now that he's gone, uh, he, we, we're probably not going to have as much use for him. So a, a lot more, I think to anticipate with the commanders off season, pr- the pre draft off season, I should say, we'll, we'll get to what they should or what we think they should do in the draft as we get closer to that. Um, but uh the, the division hasn't really had a whole lot of, I mean, uh, other than the, the guys signing away from Philly, uh, NFC East hasn't had a lot going on. Um, I've seen someone say here that the Cowboys should just go ahead and trade for Eckler since that seems to be all they want to stockpile are expensive running backs. <laughs> so I, I, I'm down with the strategy, the three-headed running back monster, never been done. How do you stop it? Um uh, the, the, the Giants, I guess, have done a little bit. You know, Matt Burita, uh, they signed Raheem Nunez-Roches today. Uh, I think a really nice uh, defensive tackle signing. Um, Bobby Okereke, Okereke for my money, um, to a, a pretty big deal this year. Um, but they've been pretty quiet as well. Um, what what are your – how are you reading? What, what are you thinking that – might happen and by the way the, the Giants I'm going to acknowledge the franchise tag on Saquon and the new deal for Daniel Jones I'm just saying in terms of free agency bringing in new names they've not done a whole lot yeah I think the Giants are a prime candidate for one of those like either whether it's the draft or free agency I know this is a little more free agency focused but I think the, something the Giants really need to add is a big tall physical wide receiver uh, that they they you know they, they brought Sterling Shepard back too uh, while we're on that subject but uh, I, I think uh, th- that's something they didn't have this year. They had kind of Larry Curley and Mo as their wide receivers and got as far as they did. So um, not sure off the top of my head, who, you know, who would like to be in a, you know, who, who they might go after, you know, they, they thought they made a splash with Kenny Galladay a couple of years ago that didn't work out. Uh, so they're going to be in the market for a wide receiver. Um, I, I think they need to, they need to shore up the offensive line a little bit too. Uh, John Feliciano was not a popular guy in New York this year I can tell you from the several people in my office who are Giants fans uh, they wanted him off the starting center position as soon as as possible which is good that we got Nick Gates because uh, now he would he probably would have been a guy to slide in there um, but yeah I mean D- the Daniel Jones thing man I just I, I, I I'm I'm kind of laughing at it because well like when he's not playing the commanders he's really really mediocre so I I I, I I don't know. I'm kind of laughing at it, but at the same time, it's like, yeah, he, he beats my team a lot. Um, I think keeping, you know, I think keeping Saquon around is the right, the right thing. He's a fan favorite, a, a local kid and the most dynamic guy on that offense, probably on that whole team too. Um, 
also sneakily look for them to shore up their pass rush too. That, that was a, that was a, they always had a good interior defensive line the last few years, but pass rush was an area the giants struggled in and you know, guys, guys like Aziz Ojolari, um, And of course, Kayvon Thibodeau were studs this year. So they, they might add, you know, a, 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 another guy for depth like that. I wouldn't be surprised to see that. Yeah. Uh, it's going to be interesting to see what they do um, in terms of Daniel Jones. You know, I, I think it could be either side. One thing I will say is I've not seen Brian Dabble be wrong about a quarterback yet. So um, I'm, I'm sure he had a, a humongous say in that being that his GM was also over in Buffalo with him. So um, honestly, and in today's terms, it's not even that bad of a deal. Like only half of it's guaranteed. Um, a lot of folks wanted to compare it to Lamar Jackson. And it's like, first off, dude's not, he, he's not that type of injury prone. Uh, he's won the same amount of playoff games in less amount of time. Uh, and he's only wanting half of his contract guaranteed. So what I can imagine the giants are sitting there looking at what the Ravens are, look, are, are asking or even offering to Lamar and it getting turned down and just said, you know what, screw it. Let's just get Daniel Jones. If it doesn't work out, we've got an out in three years. We've got a good enough team to make it last year. Surely we got a good enough team to at least compete for it for the next two years with him. So um, I mean, it's, it's what Kirk Cousins is making, if not a little bit less. And, you know, Kirk Cousins is still doing a whole lot of nothing over there in Minnesota. So I see no reason that the, the dollar amount can't be kind of right there for Daniel Jones. Um, I, I'm really interested in the NFC East because of two things. Um, one, Philadelphia has the maybe the most talented exodus of players that I've ever seen off of a single team. Um, and a lot of that is, is defense. I'm really interested to see how they approach the rest of this offseason, knowing that, you know, Chauncey Gardner-Johnson, you know, Linval Joseph and Ndamukong Su, who they picked up, James Bradbury, Robert Quinn, Fletcher Cox, um, obviously TJ Edwards going to um, Chicago today. They lost a – they're set to lose a lot of guys to free agency off that defense – um, they got a little bit of a Band-Aid with Jason Kelsey announcing he's coming back today. I assume that's going to be with the Eagles. Um, I'm, in, I'm, I'm just really intrigued to see how they handle this. Because um, it's a fantastic defense, and a lot of them are going to go get paid now. Um, and then flash over to Dallas. I, I don't think I've ever been so surprised by a Dallas move as I was when I saw they franchise tag Tony Pollard. I was like, have they not gotten the memo that they are already paying Ezekiel Elliott still, and he's not worth it? Uh, Tony Pollard, I think, is probably way closer to worth it than than Zeke, but you already have one of those, and you need other stuff. I I I, I don't know. You, you have to keep Pollard, but it just it, it shocked me. I hadn't even considered it. I thought they would just sign him. I can't believe they're letting Dalton Schultz walk, man. He's a stud. I would love to see him in Burgundy and Gold. We need a tight end, man. That that's that's wild to me. Um, but there's Jerry has a reason for everything he does, doesn't he? Yeah, he, maybe he it's, got, maybe it's Steven pulling the strings now. I don't know. He got peer pressured into signing that uh, broken ankle quarterback's contract that one year, and it's kind of uh, been screwed him from behind since then. Um, uh, that's my opinion on Dak. Anyway, I think he is very. <laughs> He, he is very much like the running back market where I feel like I could, you know, just reach out from my desk right here and hit three quarterbacks that are roughly about as good as he is. Um, so I, 
they're going to have to go back to the drawing board on that one. I don't know if they're ever going to be able to. They seem to be swayed by social media and political interests and whatnot. So he'll probably be there until he retires. But um, at, right now, that's just got a chokehold. They haven't even paid CD Lamb yet. Yeah, and he is going to command top top money. I'm I'm fi- I've, a little bit. I've, I'm finally ready to admit that guy's a one, number one wide receiver. There, I there, mean, I and, said it. <laughs> and then just imagine the contract that Micah Parsons is going to demand once he's up for it. Yeah, yeah, man, it'll be it'll be way above par, son. <laughs> yeah, I mean, yeah, they're going to be sitting there like, why the hell are we paying Tony Pollard twenty seven million dollars a year when we need Micah <laughs> Parsons? And I'm going to be like, okay. You should have listened to the right hash, and he told you it was a stupid idea. Yeah, I will always give the Cowboys top, top notch advice on this show. That's that's a promise. <laughs> always have their best interests at heart. Um, yeah, but but I, but as, Tra- as Trayvon I was saying, Diggs, man, Trayvon Diggs is going to need to get paid too. Like, where <laughs> I, I know I know he has a lot of money, but you can only spend so much of it in salary cap, Jerry. Just because you have a billion dollars doesn't mean you can spend a billion dollars. <laughs> well, I think it was like ten or fifteen minutes ago. I was saying it was a great show because we hadn't even talked about quarterbacks yet, and well, now now it's about an hour and fifteen minutes in, and we Der- now Derek, we can talk about Derek Carr. You know, he sent signed with the Saints. I think that's a really good spot for him as much as I don't really like the team, but um, playing, going from an indoor stadium to an indoor stadium. Uh, very, very uh, good. And a guy, he, a uh, guy he worked with is in Dennis Allen. Um, but I think the saints still have a lot of work to do. Um, it'd be cool. Be cool to see Chris Olave with Carr throwing him the ball though. Uh, that, that's a guy I wanted in Washington, but Jahan Dotson ended up being the pick. Not, not angry about that at all, but um, that, that's a guy I'm, looking for a breakout with a new quarterback for sure. And maybe the Michael Thomas injury saga will finally end and Derek Carr will get to reap the benefits of that. Um, uh, M- Michael Thomas, Chris Olave duo is pretty nice. And you got, uh, I'm assuming still going to have Taysom Hill at tight end slash a little bit of, tr- you know, trick trickeration going on there in new Orleans. Um, I like the look of the squad. The only thing that gives me pause is what happens with Alvin Kamara in the offseason. I mean, there's you can you can plead not guilty, but you're on video. So um Yeah. I mean that's just like it's gonna go to trial. <laughs> yeah, like you, your best bet is to to plead this down and just try to get out of there without having your name dragged through the mud too much. Like you you already have grills in your nose, Pierce. So I, I don't I don't think people's uh, mental image of you has fallen too far, but um, you don't want NFL teams mental image of you to fall very far uh, because as a running back, you have very finite time to make money. And Alvin Kamara's is unfortunately running out. He's, you know, ca- kind of cold news. He didn't have a really good year. Okay. year, not a really good year. Um, and then you go <laughs> uppercut some punk in an elevator in Vegas. Okay. Um, I, I hope Airheads is ready to send you money for the rest of your life because that might be the only way you get any the rest of the way. So, um, <laughs> I, I I'm not I'm not sure what Las Vegas I mean uh, what New Orleans does from there, but I like their squad as a whole. I, th- I think they're built really well, and the benefit for them is they are in an absolute dog trash division. Quick legal disclaimer: We are not lawyers here on the Right Hash, so if you have legal advice pl- or if you need legal advice, please go elsewhere. 
please, I went to Campbell. Please I think I count. <laughs> I, I know lawyers that counts. <laughs> um, yeah, and, and the other the other one dropping today was was Jimmy Garoppolo to to the Raiders. So you know, a little bit of musical chairs. Um, I keep thinking in my head that he's just going across San Francisco Bay, but he's he's actually going to another state because the Raiders aren't in Oakland anymore. Um, this is this is a band aid hired or a band aid signing to me. Um, I think it was a three year deal. Uh, yeah. And, and I, I kind of wonder if they're just bringing him in and are looking at drafting someone and are going to have a competition or if they really, really think Jimmy Garoppolo is the guy for this offense. Um, I, I would also like to interview Devontae Adams and hear how he feels about this, seeing as he's one of the top receivers in the game and plays for the Raiders. I don't understand paying Jimmy Garoppolo $24 million, but not paying Derek Carr $37 million. Like the the thirteen million certainly seems worth it to me. I you, you can argue postseason all you want to, but Jimmy Garoppolo is on a team that almost won a game with Josh Johnson and Christian McCaffrey in the playoffs um, at quarterback. So um, I, I I a little bit puzzled. I guess it's what they had to work with. Um, I I needed up somebody. Jarrett Stidham got signed elsewhere, so I don't know if they actually had a quarterback in the room like. John Grude might have to get Nathan Peterman back on a plane to Vegas just, just to help him out a little bit. I know Grude is not there anymore, just to help him out a little bit. Um, I, yeah, I, I, I don't, I don't know. I'm sitting here looking at this and I don't, I don't know how to explain it to be quite honest. I'm just um, glad someone got him. So Washington didn't <laughs> Cause I mean, we'd be getting raked, raked over the coals for that. That said, we still do need a backup quarterback. <laughs> you need a starting quarterback. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, a second quarterback, if you will, to for the competition. There's increasing possibility that Taylor Heineke is going to come back. I, I don't know how I'd feel about that with him working with a new offensive coordinator. But, hey, Lamar Jackson offer sheet, right? I'm going to tell you how that will work <laughs> out. Go watch the last three seasons on repeat. <laughs> God damn I can it. tell, no, I don't, I I don't can tell you right that. now. Heineke or Howell they're not difference makers uh I I was my my whole lead-in when we started the show in like our the little zoom room before we recorded he was talking about all of his uh Washington moves and I I like all of them but I just like are are we setting the table for Sam Howell to take you to the motherland like I I just don't understand it that there hasn't even been talk about any other quarterbacks legitimately um uh, other than I heard them in the Lamar Jackson sweepstakes probably three months ago, six months ago, hadn't heard it again until today. Um, to, to me, it just seems really dumb to pay all these guys on defense, look over, you know, at New York, the, the Jets, who I think have a better defense and still fared worse because they just, they don't have a quarterback and they tried to skimp on quarterback. You can't do that in the NFL. I don't care if you think Sam Howell is your guy. I guarantee you he's not your guy right now. Um, You have to do something. And it's still early. Like tampering, the legal tampering day just hit. So I'm not expecting them to have their answer at quarterback today. But if you're making these other moves, I don't think you can make these decent moves and sit still at quarterback, personally. If If you want to win in that division that you're in, Sam Howell is the fourth best quarterback in that division. It's, it's not, it's not good. Those other teams have good rosters too. Um, they have high play, high paid defensive players. They, they have weapons, you know, for me, I think Washington needs to do something about quarterback ASAP. Marcus Mariota is a name I've, I've seen linked today. 
Um, they, they seem to like him just with a similar <laughs> skill set to, uh, to Sam Howell. And uh, I think, I think Eric Bianami is going to be the guy making the call though. I, I, I think there's no question about that. Yep. Um, and, and, and also remember, we're just two sports fans. A lot of this stuff goes on behind the scenes. Um, so a, a lot of t- stuff of what I've noticed is when something breaks, especially from one of the insiders or when something is being speculated on, that usually means it's already happened behind closed doors and they're just kind of crossing the I's and dotting the T's. Um, so that, that, that's just a, another, another little disclaimer here. You know, th- there's, th- there's so much we're talking about here that we've covered in this hour and a half and are still going to talk about that. You know, we, we, we may give off the, uh, the, the vibe that we are, we are insiders or have, have concrete information. We, we don't have a ton of it. This is just more like, Oh yeah, I'd love if this happened. And you know, I, the, the Lamar Jackson stuff about an, half an hour ago that that was, you know, I'd still love if this happened, but uh, still a lot of, a lot of moving parts. You might listen to this show a little bit later in the week and other things might've happened that, uh, that contradict what we say here. That's just, you know, that's just cause we're, we're sports fans just talking about what, what we'd like to see and what would make us happy. But with that in mind, we haven't really talked about your team here. Uh, a whole lot on this show and uh, the the Jaguars, a playoff team from last year. uh, A lot of times we see a playoff team from the year before just kind of take a step back. You know, what's it going to take for them to not take that step back, especially in this division, which seems on the surface, so easy, easy to win again. Yeah. I I don't know if there's, I mean, first off, we spent a lot of our money last, last off season. We got a lot of that tied up. Um, the, the biggest offseason move that the Jags made, they made it during the season, and that was acquiring Calvin Ridley, who got, uh, you know, approved to come back to the NFL. He's officially part of it again. He's on our team. So we have Christian Kirk and uh, Calvin Ridley as, as the two pass catchers um, for Trevor Lawrence. They franchise tagged Evan Ingram, needed to happen, hoping to get something in place for, for him for a couple more years, um, which I, I think on all sides they're interested in. And um, other than that, you know, we've had a couple of, of guys have to leave. Uh, J- Jawan Taylor signed with the Chiefs today. Uh, a big deal, much bigger deal than we could give him. Um, God, God bless him. He, he did a great job in Jacksonville during some really bad times. And uh, just one of, the, one of the best dudes you can have out there. Has the Jaguar logo tattooed on his thigh. Like he, he, he's, he's full, full teal. Um, so b- big fan of his, it's going to be nice to see him, uh, go to Kansas city. Uh, hopefully we don't have to play him, but also hopefully we do run into him. So, um, one of those things, uh, you know, a former tight end of ours, uh, Josh Oliver, we've mentioned going to Minnesota, um, another former tight end, uh, Chris Manhurt signed with, um, the Broncos since this program has started. No, we haven't lost a lot yet. Um, the the, the roster is kind of okay. You know, if I'm being honest, uh, we'll probably draft. Uh, I'm hoping we draft Darnell right in the first round to fill uh, the offensive line need that just give us some of our flexibility back, start building for the future. Who knows how long we can keep Cam Robinson. Let's go ahead and draft that tackle uh, Darnell right out of Tennessee. I'm not just biased. That dude had the probably the best combine of any tackle he didn't give up a sack the entire season in college football manhandled brian brissy and will anderson he's the real deal i want him on the jaguars um other than that i i think the jaguars biggest thing is just continuing to build the culture get the rats out of the room but build the culture um and 
uh, get experience underneath all the young guys we have. Last year was ETN's first real season. Um, last year felt like Evan Ingram's first real season after all the time he spent in New York doing, doing not a lot. Uh, so I, I think the Jaguars are good. Just st- standing pat, have your, have a good draft, um, fill some needs. If you, if you find the, the, the cap space for it, I know they had, they freed up a little bit of money here and there. I imagine most of that's going to go to, uh, Evan Ingram's contract. That's what it should go to. Um, got to find another corner. Good thing is this is a loaded corner draft. Uh, I wouldn't be surprised. I would be an advocate for uh, Jacksonville trying to move up into the the middle or uh, top of round two to have a couple of picks there. And uh, one of the big names I've liked is Keely Ringo. We'll talk more about that as we go towards the NFL draft. Um, but that's that that's where I see the Jaguars really making their changes this year. It's through the NFL draft. It's not going to be free agency like it was last year. And I think that you fill your long-term holes with the draft. You know, you build your foundation through the draft and free agency is a little bit more for uh, like plugging for a year or two. I I think that it's the right mentality for that front office to be like, all right, you know, we've got our, we, you know, Evan Ingram was a perfect example of like going out for free agency and getting a position of need filled immediately. Uh, You know, if you're looking two, three, four years down the road, it's like, Hey, we're going to need to, you know, we're going to need to save some money on this position in three years. That's when you look to the draft and you're like, all right, what, what can we get here? And I I think the Jaguars are in a really good position with their front office and their personnel department. Like some franchises are different where the head coach doesn't necessarily make all the personnel decisions, but I think Doug Peterson is a little bit more autonomous with that. So when the front office and the, uh, and the, the people who make the personnel decisions are kind of in sync like that, it's a good, good system for the future. And I think, I think the Jaguars are also in the best front office situation in that division as well, just for what that's worth flipping around to the commanders who are probably in the worst right now. The the commanders are in a sticky one because of their owner. I, I, I more or less like the other adults that are there, but the owner can't stay out of the, he can't stop being a distraction just because of what he is. And I don't want to get into the Dan Snyder stuff on, on here during this show that's that that's what the summer is for let's talk about dan slider in the summer <laughs> hopefully he'll be gone on. by that <laughs> yeah yeah in jail maybe um but uh yeah it's it's the first time since i've been a jaguars fan where i felt like shot was a thrilled about what he has um trent balky took a lot of shit right after urban meyer from myself included for being kept around by Shad Khan. That's that, that was one of the reasons you saw all the Shad clown masks come out was because they were keeping Trent Balky, who, um, you know, in his own right, helped destroy build, but destroy that 49ers, uh, Colin Kaepernick type, uh, you know, the, the, the Harbaugh era um, helped build it also was a big part of it dying. Um, and then Balky's call was to, was to hire urban Meyer. It, everyone had a right to be mad and call for his head right after that. Um, Shad believed in him, and and between him and Tony, they decided to keep him, and they went and got Doug Peterson. It, Doug Peterson wasn't even the name that everyone wanted. Everyone wanted Byron Leftwich, myself included. Um, and they they said, nope, we're going to go with Doug Peterson, our guy. Uh, this is this is who we like, and you, you can just you can just feel it. 
like that just the, the way that even just the way the social media folks engage the, the the content that comes out what the players say just off the cuff in social media um you, you you can feel that there is an actual difference so much so the guys are coming there when the the jaguars in that what uh, the nfl report card thing were like one of the bottom four in terms of just uh, the overall like building and what what the franchise gives you um they, they, they love the people. They love the coaches that are there. And I think it's because they're making good decisions. They're treating them like adults. Um, you know, there's D- Doug Peterson just has an energy about him. And I, I think it's, it, it that ultimately is going to be what turns Jacksonville around. If it gets turned around the combination of Peterson and, and Trevor Lawrence um, could, could be one of the great duos. If everything lines up like trajectory trajectory would suggest I'm not, I'm not throwing that one out there into the stars yet, but um, I could certainly see it happening, turning into a, well, one of the better head coach quarterback combos from beginning to end. Uh, so I, I think Jacksonville's in a perfect position, especially like you alluded to the division has work to do. Um, I, I'm not particularly worried about it. The Titans still scare me because they got a good defense. They have Derrick Henry. I mean, they almost beat us with Josh Dobbs, no offense to Josh Dobbs, but that was like the first game he'd ever played. Um, still, still almost won that game. Um, so I, the, the Titans are going to be there just because they've built the roster really well. Well, they're not going to win anything because they don't have a real quarterback. Um, so I'm, I'm comfortable with where we are. Like you said, build through the draft. The nice thing about the draft these days is you can get immediate impact guys that come in and play really good minutes. I'm looking at like Quay Walker for the Packers. So they got in the third round and he was maybe their best defensive player last year. Um, it, 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 and it's, it's very possible the Jaguars find someone like that. I'm, I'm cool. I'm cool. Not making any knee jerk reactions this off season though. I, I love where we are. Yeah. Yeah. I, 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 I'm kind of in that position too, with, with Washington, even though we didn't make the playoffs, I, I think, you know, I think that the, at least right now, everything's kind of pointed in the right direction. It's going to be up to, up to us as to whether we, we, go in the right direction but you know the 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 it's the, the course is set uh if you will um here here on the right hash we're about about 90 minutes in and we've been talking mostly nfl and uh, a little bit of college football or college basketball and a little bit of college baseball with connor lily way back on on the beginning of the show um but kind of just uh we'll open up the floor now a little bit too there, there's a lot going on we're not going to cover everything here because stuff's still going on as we talk but there was one uh there were a couple, couple that we mentioned earlier today um Johnu Smith was a was one that he never really worked out in New England um coming from the Titans I, I didn't think anyway now he's got a new home in Atlanta which is uh he's going to be opposite Kyle Pitts I guess um blocking tight end more more of a blocking tight end with Kyle Pitts as the the pass catching tight end but what, what do you think of this one I, I love Johnu Smith and uh it pissed me off that he went to New England um because the the Jaguars needed a tight end so bad and the Patriots went out and fucking signed Hunter Henry and Jonu Smith in the same free agency class, did absolutely fuck all with either one of them. I'm glad that they only got a seventh-round pick out of Jonu Smith. That, that, that was deserved. Hashtag deserved on Twitter for the Patriots there. Um, you, you can't just have two tight ends and think that everything is good. You didn't even have a quarterback. Um, Mac Jones has never thrown to a tight end in his life. You remember his receivers at Alabama? He had never thrown to a tight end in his entire life, and they stacked him with two. Um, so I, 
I actually really love what the Falcons have done so far. They signed Jesse Bates not too long ago. Um, one of the really good safeties in this league. Um, so I, I think Atlanta is, is doing some really good stuff there with Arthur Smith. Um, Atlanta, I, I don't know what they're going to do at quarterback. It sounds like they're fine with Ritter. I know they want Lamar Jackson. Watch out for Atlanta as a place for Austin Eckler to land. He fits really, really well with Arthur Smith's scheme. Um, he's going to fit really well with uh, Des Ritter, if that is their coach, if that is their quarterback. Um, I, I I like that fit there. What they've done with Cordero Patterson, I, I just think Cordero is getting older, and you can't play that style of football for the rest of your life. Um, so I I'm a huge fan uh, of what uh, the Falcons have done so far, and they extended or maybe either gave a new deal to or extended Chris Lindstrom, their right guard, yes. one of the best run blockers in the game. Uh, so that, that, you know, that maybe even sets it up even more for Austin Eckler to, to go there. That's a, that I didn't think about that when we were talking about him earlier, but that is a good fit uh, for, for Eckler. We'll, we'll see. Uh, can keep an eye on that. Cause that's another team that's been very active so far this off season is, is Atlanta and a team. I, I you know, I, I, we got a lot of Georgia people who listen to this show. I work with a lot of Georgia people. So at least some of them are into the Falcons. I know. So it, it would be nice to see them not be super, super terrible uh, anymore. Uh, because uh, it's a great stadium too. I'd love to see a game there. The man, the myth, the legend. My uncle Keith is a is a Falcons fan. He's actually a Falcons and a, a Panthers fan. He's lives in, um, it, but he, he's Falcons first. Like when they play, he's a Falcons fan. But he yeah. he cheers for the Panthers because he 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 lives in that area. Yeah. Um, but yeah, the the Falcons fans. It it just seems like yesterday that they were all you know uh, having so much fun in that Super Bowl, and they just turned around, and it was all gone Todd Gurley's knee is gone Matt Ryan's arm is gone all the receivers are gone uh, <laughs> uh, so where did Tony Gonzalez go he was just here he you went know, to Fox <laughs> <laughs> yeah like they turned around and they just thought everything was gone uh I mean even more so than when Bobby Patino picked up in the middle of the night and left um yeah it's uh I I, I actually kind of like the Falcons just that they, they were like the first game I ever played was Madden 98, and that was the Broncos Falcons Super Bowl. So I, I always had an affinity for both those teams because as a kid, that's the only two teams I would play with was just like the ones that I could click X on and get into yeah. the game and play. You with just want to play football. <laughs> yeah, I just wanted to play the game. So I played with both of them. And I, I just remember Jamal Anderson and a couple of those guys. Like I, I have a soft spot for soft spot for the Falcons. Not a Falcons fan, but I do like them. I want to flip though to um, if you had anything else to say about the Falcons, uh, go oh, ahead. Just Je Jesse Bates, four years, 64 million uh, from yeah. the Bengals. So that's shoring up the defense too, but I don't have much beyond that. It's it's a really nice Keanu Neal replacement. They lost him a couple of years ago and it's nice. To, it's going to be nice to have another guy back there like that. Um, but the, the one that's probably the most local to both of us is the blockbuster trade that happened this past week, um, weekend. Uh, the Panthers trading up to get the number one pick from the Chicago Bears. Um, first off, they've been somewhat active today uh, in free agency. They signed uh, Von Bell uh, from Cincinnati, formerly of New Orleans. And then they signed Shy Tuttle out of New Orleans, a uh, former VFL. Um, he's from he's from the mid-state here. So uh, he, he's a Carolina guy himself. Nice to see him come home. He's had a couple of good years down there in New Orleans. But that they've set themselves up to take whoever they want at the top of this draft. And 
Um, I, I don't think we should get into who that is. We got plenty of time for that down the road, but in that trade, DJ Moore goes to Chicago um, and already pretty uh, lonely skill position group for the Panthers uh, had yet another guy gone where you look at the Panthers last year, they had Christian McCaffrey had DJ Moore. At least they could cling to that. They don't have either one of those guys anymore. They've got a lot of picks. They're full, full rebuild, full tear down. Let's build around those, you know, the defensive keys uh, cornerstones that they've refused to trade. We've got those guys good to go. Let's go rebuild this offense. I'm really interested to see what they do. If they decide to do anything here in free agency to preemptively prepare for adding a quarterback, or if they wait to see what happens, see what quarterback they wind up with and maybe attack more of that stuff the next season, like the Jaguars did. The Jaguars waited. We didn't go really sign any big time wide receivers. We signed Marvin Jones uh, to, you know, in that first year of Trevor, just as a value. And then, I think had a little bit better of an idea of what to expect, what the holes were, and went and addressed that in the next free agency. So I'm really interested. It's going to send a lot of signals, I think, of what the the Panthers' timeline is as to whether they deal with anything on offense in this free agency or if they kind of save that money up and carry it to next season and spend all their money in the next free agency. I don't think it's out of the realm of possibility that they flip this pick to somebody else. Um, maybe read some of the draft capital of uh, the draft capital that they gave up to Chicago for it. But for the sake of argument, I'm just going to assume that they don't do that. Um, some couple people at work who are Panthers fans, one of whom used to work for the Panthers. So I don't know how good his sources still are say that they like CJ Stroud a lot. Um, I'm not sure why they, well, you know, I, 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 I'm not sure if that's the best quarterback in the draft. I should say that I would take but you know that that there are people that pay a lot more attention than I do. So um, that's just, just something I heard in passing. Um, They, one thing's for sure. And you said this over text, you can't just sit around and take Will Levis at nine and expect things to get better, (laughs) especially with all the, all the changes in the division we just talked about. Yeah. I mean, and there's a lot of folks who think the Panthers got, you know, fleeced in this. And I, I actually think this is one of those deals that works really well for both sides. It's a, an established receiver, for Chicago they don't have to draft someone and hope he pans out and you know gives uh gives them an idea of what Justin Fields is as I as we talked about earlier um they get some good picks back they're still in the top 10 they're going to be able to address defensive line if that's what they want to go with if they want to get another skill position guy if they want to go get a corner they're going to have their pick of the litter they've accumulated more more pieces um you know draft capital uh and the Panthers this is like it's the first uh, trade up to number one that I've seen not include explicitly three number one picks. I understand DJ Moore plus a second is kind of creating that value, but still first round picks don't come around often. And the fact that you only had to trade two is not bad. Plus I, I think DJ Moore is, is, is Schrodinger's receiver. He, he has no value there because there's no one to get him the ball. Yes. He has a lot of value in a vacuum, but in, Carolina he has no value he was he's worthless I mean especially if like Will Levis is the guy throwing him the ball what what's the point like you could have just kept Sam Darnold Baker Mayfield PJ Walker done that and gone and got someone else you know in the in the draft to help you on offense so I don't think they lose anything plus they ditch a DJ more contract not that it was bad but it just gives them more money to go into their current timeline 
And DJ Moore just didn't fit into that. He's already ahead of his schedule in terms of pay based on where the Panthers are right now. Um, and I, I, I just don't think he brings uh, – I don't think he has a lot of synergy with the guys in the draft this year, if I'm being completely honest. Like, he, he's just not that type of receiver that a C.J. Stroud or a Bryce Young have excelled with. That, that's not the type of guys that they've had in college. Um, I, it just didn't fit. So I thought it was a, a really good trade. For Carolina and like you said they've got a chance to trade back um one thing I'll tell you is you should never ever ever believe anything a team says a month and a half before the draft as to who they're leaning towards because what I'm telling you right now they have leaked that they are interested in CJ Stroud and Anthony uh, Richardson let me tell you who they're probably going to draft Bryce Young because he's the best quarterback in this draft and it's not close. If they don't draft him and they pick at number one, I think they wasted a lot of their assets going up to number one uh, because they could have had Anthony Richardson at three. Or Will Levis at nine. Just kidding. (laughs) Honestly, the way it's going, you might be able to get Will Levis a lot lower than that. I I think folks after the combine, like Mel Kuyper is still the only, the only analyst who has him in, in, in the top five. Every other analyst has him below the first round. Kind of makes you wonder what is going to happen with Matt Corral. Like they spent that third round oh, pick on him last last year. They're, they're shopping him. They announced yeah. that today. They're shopping oh, okay. him. Okay, so. just another one of those things that happens on this first day of free agency that kind of gets lost in the shuffle. Um, fun fact though, this is the second DJ Moore that will play for this Chicago Bears in franchise history. They had a safety named DJ Moore in the uh, <laughs> mid to late two thousands, twenty tens. So early 2010. Saving so. money on jerseys already. Yeah, I know. If you have an old <laughs> DJ Moore jersey, break it right back out. Just put the different number on. Uh, I'm assuming he'll stick with number two. Um, but uh, probably, that, yeah. So that that happened. Um, trying to think. Trying to recap anything else that jumped and, out and, at me. Um, yeah, an interesting tidbit today. Kind of lost in the shuffle. Uh, Sam Darnold signing with the 49ers. Yeah, there, there, there it is. That's that's exactly what I was thinking. Um, um, I don't think he's going to start, <laughs> but is he? I, he, I, you know, it's funny. I was talking to another friend before the show started. Um, we, we were messaging about it and, um, we were really kicking the tires. Cause it's like, if Sam Darnold comes in and he beats out your number three overall pick from two years ago, like who's getting fired. Somebody needs to get fired. That's not even me talking bad about Darnold, but it's like, you, you, you pick, you take a guy number three overall two years ago and you already replaced him with Mr. Irrelevant and Sam Darnold. So, so somebody needs, you know, as Russell Peters would say, somebody got some explaining to do. Um, I, 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 it's weird. It's weird. Like I, I look at that situation and I almost go into that same, you know, Patrick looking at the Krusty Krab menu disbelief that I did when I saw Jimmy Garoppolo sign for what he did in Las Vegas. Like my brain's trying to compute what's going on, but there's too much going on for it to compute anything. So I just kind of jaw open, drool down my chest, trying to figure it out. He's got to start. Yeah, I I guess. (laughs) Talk about a downgrade. I mean, even though that they didn't have the best quarterback situation to begin with. And I guess this means they're shopping Trey Lance. Not that that was a secret anyway. Um. Man, that's a that's a weird quarterback situation they've got going on there in San Francisco. It just then, it just keeps getting weirder. They they should just start Christian McCaffrey. But see, those three might not even be enough because, like like you just said, 
Christian McCaffrey was playing some quarterback in the playoffs. Josh Johnson played for his 87th NFL team uh, in the playoffs. And uh, I mean, they, they went into the season with three quarterbacks and uh, <laughs> they played three different quarterbacks in their playoff game versus the Eagles. It's just uh, weird, weird out there in San Francisco. I just, I, some... I, I really didn't have them as a candidate for Sam Darnold, like at all. Like, <laughs> Maybe no. I didn't think it through enough, but I, I did not have that as a possibility. No, I mean, and him choosing to go there. Like, he doesn't choose to go there if he's not pretty sure he's going to start. I, I think he probably could have waited out the Aaron Rodgers decision and maybe gone to the Jets, back to the Jets, if, <laughs> if Aaron Rodgers hadn't landed there. I mean, it would have made a lot of sense. And, uh, I mean, also not a lot of sense um in in a lot of ways as well weird weird quarterback dominoes the last two years man yeah we almost should have called this show derek and the dominoes <laughs> i knew i knew <laughs> something would i knew as soon as i posted the last episode shit was gonna go down like well, shortly afterwards I mean, it, it was just it, it was a prediction title derek carr signed and then everything else is starting to fall into place <laughs> this is the right hash from the Nasser Alexander Kuchecki Studios. Thanks to everyone who has stayed along on this extended journey through NFL free agency. And of course, it's the middle of March. March 13th is when we are recording this. March 16th is when the NCAA basketball tournament starts. Uh, the link to our bracket challenge, the right hash bracket smash, is live on our Twitter. We'll put it in our bio too. Um, for a little bit while this is tournaments going on. So if people don't have to scroll down during our inevitable collection of 420 score bug screenshots, um, but um, we'll, we'll move, move on now to a, a probably a much shorter uh, uh, subject here. Uh, we'll still have, still have plenty of action, but I don't think we'll go an hour and 40 minutes on, on our bracket predictions, um, especially because we touched a little bit with Connor at the beginning of the show. If you, if you forgot, go back and listen to Connor Lilly. He was, he was brilliant for the first uh, 40 or so minutes of this show. Um, but we're also, we're also going to have the hot box at the end, a positive hot box for, for each of us. So a different take on the hot box. Um, and it's all kind of intertwined here on the right hash, but March madness starts in a few days. We're actually going to be having a, a conference at the uh, Harnett County branch of the Nasser Alexander Kuchecki studios, where there will be four screens all showing basketball. Uh, on Thursday. So that'll be great. The, the Vols get the late tip so that they'll make you wait. Virginia plays at the beginning um, and NC State plays on Friday. So uh, we've got the late tip Friday, 940 Friday. Friday. Uh, okay. I was, I was mixed up there. So that, so they're making you wait even longer. You, you get we to, have watch to watch every other team plays. <laughs> <laughs> so um, yeah, man, it's just, uh, first of all, let's just get this out of the way. The four television setup is like the goat, like yep. props to anyone who's tech savvy enough to pull that off. It's the way to go. I mean, I, I have three screens, so it's it's not rocket science. But yeah, it's it's the way to go for this uh, this event. It's it's the sports bar setup because you know we make the wings, we we have the drinks and 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 the TVs, but there's no other noise. Like it's not like you have servers coming through and other guests just talking about stuff that isn't sports. It's all the great parts of a sports bar without all the all the extra stuff. Exactly. Same sticky bathroom floors, all that kind of good stuff. <laughs> <laughs> and plenty of the right hash being passed around is a, uh, well, let's get into the basketball now. Um, you know, we talked a little bit about Virginia with their, uh, their matchup against Furman and uh, San Diego state and Charleston, the other matchup there in Orlando as the five twelve. 12 um, NC state 
of course, my alma mater. It was a, it was a, it was a nerve wracking first five minutes of that selection show. Um, and then they were revealed as like the seventh team in the bracket. So they're taking on Creighton. Uh, and then the winner of that plays the winner of Baylor versus um, UC Santa Barbara. Um, so that's the three fourteen matchup. Um, and NC state really, really looks terrible against Clemson. And that gives me pause uh, because they'll be playing teams with good defenses like Clemson's in, in the NCAA tournament. That said, I don't know a ton about Creighton other than they have a bunch of white guys. Um, so that usually means good defense, but NC state being such a guard heavy team, um, it's, it's really going to depend on if, uh, if Joyner and baby T are hitting shots and that's going to determine how far they go in this tournament, how far they survive in advance. And it, it really is, as we see every single year, it's a guards tournament. And State at least has two really talented guards. This team will go as far as Turquavion takes them. It really doesn't matter what anybody else does. And I, I hate to put all the pressure on a guy like that, but it's just been the fact of the matter for the entire season. Three of their losses are to Clemson. Three of those games, Turquavion was basically non-factor. Um, not to mention they did a really good job of taking DJ Burns out of the last two of those as well. Um, mat- matchups are a, are a big thing this time of year. Like you said, I mean, Creighton's going to be guard heavy state with, with Marcel Joyner and, and Turquavion are thankfully um, blessed at the, the guard position, depending on where you count uh, Marcel. Um, I, you know, I think, I think they're a good squad. The problem for state uh, they, they, they lose Gant in the ACC tournament. That's, he's not a household name, but just in terms of fluidity, you know, kind of the, the intangible stuff that he brings, the rebounds, just being in the right place at the right time for, you know, transition passes. Um, he, he does a lot of, he does a lot of good stuff. Um, most of what he does is he just, he eats good minutes and state state has a drop off behind him for that. And we've seen it um, play out in the two games in the, <clears throat> the remainder of the game that he was out. And then the next game um, I haven't heard, an injury update on him, but I, I saw him in an air cast. I kind of expect him to miss the tournament. Um, it, even, even if he plays, um, it, it's, it's a tough draw for state. Thankfully for them, it's a relatively good matchup positionally. Um, Cray- Creighton's one of those teams though, that everyone knows their name because they do a lot of their damage during the tournament. They beat teams routinely that are, uh, branded better than them have have better overall a- athletic brands than Creighton, um, but their basketball team is nothing to mess with. This is this should be in the same like Murray State VCU, um, you know that that bucket of teams that I ignore what their seed is. They do different things during the tournament. Butler, if they make it, watch out. They're not fun to play, and that they, they got a really good chance of putting you on a highlight film for the rest of eternity. <laughs> yeah, Michigan State is another team like that here at a, as a seven seed uh, against USC in the first round. Wouldn't be shocked to see them in the Sweet 16, given how Tom Izzo approaches March. Um, yeah, I, I, um, I just I, I see Virginia and NC State in the same uh, same bracket, same quarter, same quadrant, whatever you want to call it, region. Um, and I just I just can't resist thinking what might happen if they if they meet in the Elite Eight because they met in the Elite Eight in 1983 and the Wolfpack walked away with it with a national championship. So um, I, I think DJ Burns is going to also going to have to stay out of foul trouble. That's a, that's a hot take because he's the only guy they have on the inside who, who can do anything now with Gant injured. So 
<clears throat> Burns stays out of foul trouble. Terquavion Smith gonna have to put the team on his back. That's you know, it, it, NC State's just so hot or cold in the in the the, the NCAA tournament. It seems like they never lose in the second round. It's either first round exit or they're playing in like the the the, the Elite Eight or something and it, or Sweet Sixteen. And as a matter of fact, they have not won a tournament game since the Sweet Sixteen year in 2015. The the knocking off first seed Villanova in that that game where the Villanova flute player got caught crying on camera that was pretty cool um light it red yeah have we have not we have not won a game in the tournament since then which i was shocked to hear but also not kind of not shocked to hear (laughs) you know what i mean you you have to make the tournament to lose in it so you know that doesn't shock me i they it yeah yeah i got i can do a whole my mouth I could do a whole other thing about the NC State basketball program. Uh, but we're, we're going to find out real quick how much Boo Corrigan likes uh, Kevin Keats because I, I've heard Georgia – I mean, Georgetown is sniffing around uh, Keats a little bit for, for their opening. Interesting. Um, uh, that, that is if, if Patino doesn't work out. I think, I think Patino is probably their top pick. But Yeah, I heard uh, St. John's was after Patino hard too. Who, who isn't that doesn't have morals? <laughs> Right, um, <laughs> uh, but uh, again, who, like has, I said, who has fewer morals than Catholic schools, right? <laughs> the, the the Northeast in general. No, I'm just kidding. Everyone who listens from the Northeast, um, <laughs> but I again, like we mentioned with Virginia and Connor, I think this is a, I you know, top to bottom, this really isn't that difficult of a bracket. You know, if NC State makes it past Creighton, Baylor's not the best three seed out there. You know, they've had a good season, but they got the same record as NC State. Um, and a lot of NC State's losses came right there towards the end. So m- most of the season, NC State was hovering in a, on a top twenty-five position. I th- I think, um, I think they could beat anyone in this bracket except for Bama and Arizona. And even Arizona, if if NC State makes it to that point, it's because their guards have gotten hot. And NC State is a team you absolutely do not want to see when Turquavion Smith is jacking up NBA threes with confidence. If he's doing that and he's hitting them, that gives confidence to everyone else on that team. He, he's got like the NBA 2K23, like he's heating up type of uh, multiplier uh, where all of a sudden Jarkella Joyner is just training them from three. It's not a team that you want to run into when they're hot. When they're cold, they are one of the worst basketball teams I've ever seen. It is such a Jekyll and Hyde program. Um I, I don't know. I, I I picked it, but I, I still don't know who I'm sticking with. Well, you have till Thursday at noon to finalize finalize your picks. <laughs> yeah. I, I don't know who I'm I don't know who I'm sticking with there. Creighton's yeah, had I, some good wins, but they've had some bad losses. I will I will not be making any picks until like Wednesday afternoon at the earliest. I take my time with this, man. I'm the Tony Bennett of NCAA basketball picks um but <laughs> I can I can only tell you one pick that I'm making and it's from the one of the first four games. I'm taking Texas Southern over Fairleigh Dickinson because Texas Southern is 14 and 20 on the season. And if that doesn't say pick me, I don't know what the fuck else does. So Texas Southern through to the big dance, I think. Yes. Yes. I, I'm going to take that pick too. And of course, once again, I'm going to mention it again, because we really want everybody to, to do this um, because it's really fun. So join the, uh, join the bracket, the right hash bracket smash link is uh, on our Twitter and we'll put it in our bio too. So people don't have to scroll down so far later in the week for, uh, for entrance to that. Um, again, as Alex said, Thursday at noon, you have until then take your time, make your picks and hopefully, hopefully you are 
thumbing your noses at both of the right hash hosts after uh, after this uh, this tournament is I over. Can tell but- you, I can tell you right now, I don't know if I've ever felt dirtier for picking a champion. So <laughs> if, that, if that tells you who I have winning it. <laughs> well, we'll go over to, to your perspective a little bit because Tennessee comes in as a four seed. They've got a red hot Duke team as the five seed, but they've got to take on Louisiana first. Um, and they're doing it, of course, without their point guard who who ran the offense for for most of the year. So uh, other than them blowing the shit out of Georgia, I didn't see a ton of Tennessee this year. So just kind of give us the 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 Tennessee Vols NCAA tournament for dummies here uh, for, for our listeners. Um, if you can score 65 on our defense, you'll have no problems. The issue is scoring 65 on our defense. Um, our offense is pretty terrible. We have four seven-footers on this squad and somehow can't get interior buckets. Um, we are uh, hot and cold shooters like the Alabama guys after practice. And I, I, I just I – try, I try so hard not to be negative because I really appreciate what Rick Barnes has done for this program. But we've made one sweet 16 since he's been here, and it feels like every team that he's had for the last five years has been ranked number one in the country at some point. And it's, it's, it's one of those, what did you just say? And you're upset with that, but it's also followed up by, yeah, but we've also lost to like Loyola of Chicago, uh, struggled against Colgate one year, uh, made, made the sweet 16 once in the, in the last, since he's been here for eight years. Um, and that's been with, with good, pretty fully healthy teams. I mean, we're talking Grant Williams and, Jordan Bone, Jordan Bowden, Admiral Schofield, that 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 team made it to the Sweet 16 and and no further. Um, so I I just have a hard time trusting Tennessee. Like I I don't even know if I'm picking them to win this first round game, uh, just because I know the Louisiana style of play. Their point guard is actually a guy that Rick Barnes recruited to Tennessee, um, and he went elsewhere, wound up transferring to Louisiana. Um, missing Zakai Ziegler, the whole, the whole identity of the offense just feels gone. It wasn't even that great of an offense to begin with. That he, he's he's the leading steals man in the entire country, um, and it just it hurts so bad on both ends of the court uh, to lose him. But our turnovers have skyrocketed since he's been out. We don't have a second guy that can reliably ball handle other than Santiago Vescovi, and really he shouldn't be the guy bringing the ball up the court. He should be the guy waiting for kind of the outlet pass. Um, so uh, that on top of, I think Tennessee got dealt probably the hardest quadrant of, of all four bracket quadrants as well. And that's, that's me. Not, tr- I'm not trying to be homeristic there. Um, the, the top, the, the Midwest one is pretty tough. Miami is a five seed. That's really tough. Indiana is a four seed. Mississippi State and Pitt is an 11 seed. I mean, that's that Texas A&M. I'll do a whole thing about them later. A&M in a seven seed. Um, that's that's a really tough quadrant as well. But I Tennessee is the only team in their group of eight teams that is not their conference champion. <laughs> and that is that's that's hard. All, every team in this region except for Tennessee won their last game. Um, it's just it's I, I kind of have to hope that the last time Tennessee was scheduled 
to square off with Duke in the second round. Duke did us the favor and lost to Mercer in the first round, and we didn't have to go through that. Um, that being said, I like Oral Roberts. I don't see them beating this Flipkowski Duke team when they're healthy. Um, it's it, it's it's a round of thirty two matchup with the ACC champions, and that's just that's not a good draw. I'm sorry. And Duke is just red fucking hot right now. I, we, Connor and I gushed over that team earlier in the show. And Kyle Filipkowski is as if a lighthouse could play basketball. Just the, the way he finds, finds players on the perimeter and just, just is always like, it's like he's just always engaged and going, you know, things are just always going off in his head. Um, so I, 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 I would be interested to see that also from a color perspective, Tennessee wearing white with the orange trim and then Duke in those blue uniforms. I, I really hope we don't get upsets in those first two games. Cause that would be a cool, cool uniform matchup to see. Um, it, the game might be ugly, but, but it, at least it would look good, uh, on television. <laughs> I, I don't, it, it would only be ugly. Cause I don't know if either team could crack 70. Yeah. <laughs> Well, as a Virginia fan, uh, I'm, I'm well used to, to basketball like that. Um, I, I think the Cavaliers get past Furman for what it's worth. I, I, San Diego State team I don't know a whole lot about is the likely opponent in the second round. Don't sleep on Charleston, though, the 12-5 game. Um, I, I do think San Diego State, who plays really good defense, is going to neutralize the Charleston offense. But uh, for, for some perspective on Virginia's first-round opponent, NC State beat Furman by 19 this season. Um, Virginia beat NC State pretty handily. I know that's not the be-all and end-all. There's 30 other games, but uh, I, I don't think Virginia is going to slip up in, in the first round. I, I expect them to handle the Furman Paladins. You got Cavaliers versus Paladins and an equestrian affair. Um, you could have Gales versus Gales in the second round if St. Mary's and Iona both advance. Um, I think that game's in Greensboro, by the way. Um, but uh, just really, ex- really excited for just all the madness. You know, there's you know, there's a few games that we are emotionally invested in in the first round, but by and large, it's just watching a shit ton of basketball and, and enjoying it. And, um, you know, I wish the commercial breaks were shorter, but very little we can do about that. This show, however, is, is commercial free um, for what it's worth. But um, always looking for some Cinderella's. I, I have one in mind that I'm going to throw out there, and that's Kent State. Um, when I saw this matchup revealed on Sunday, I immediately thought back 21 years ago. Uh, this matchup can now legally drink alcohol because in 2002, Kent State made a run to the Elite Eight, lost to Indiana, who made it all the way to the national championship before losing to Maryland. But that Kent State team had Antonio Gates, the Chargers tight end, <laughs> playing all the way in the Elite Eight. He was the Elite Gates. But um, they, that, it was it was a. I remember watching that game and just being like, "Wow, this this no name program that." I've never heard of is playing for a final four berth. And that was one of the first times I ever really saw that in the NCAA tournament, but they're, they're matched up in the first round with Indiana. I really like this Kent state team. Great guards. Um, sincere carry is a uh, lives up to his name. He's dropped 30 points multiple times this year uh, carries the team. Um, they did lose Giovanni Santiago. who's one of their better defensive guards, but I think they match up really well with Indiana. Uh, I think they're quicker than Indiana. And I think Drake, for what it's worth, is going to beat Miami. And we get a 12-13 matchup in that second round. And I, I could really see Kent State in the second weekend here. Uh, the, the Golden Flashes, uh, cool cool nickname, too. Good pick. Uh, what in your mind constitutes a Cinderella? Like, what, what seed am I looking at? What am I limited to? I would say anything under, like, anything a 12 or under, I think. Okay. Um, because because yeah. my benchmark is NC State in 2012 was an 11 seed and made the made the Sweet 16, but that, that's kind of like we were an at large team, so we weren't, and and we were pretty good too. So I th- I think 12 is where I draw the line. 
that that's fair. Because all the 11 seeds are like the big power programs that just had, you know, good good enough to make it good enough to miss it resumes. Right. Um, so my, my 12 seed is, is Oral Roberts. Um, that's I, – I, I can't pick them to beat Duke, but you can't pick the Cinderella's. Like, you can rarely pick the Cinderella's. Um, and I, I just like what they've done. They, they come into this tournament – with the most wins of anybody else here, they have 30 wins and you don't just accidentally win 30 games. And uh, like I alluded to the last time Tennessee and Duke were scheduled to play in that second round, Duke lost to Mercer. I, 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 I could see it. D- Duke doesn't have a way to score a lot of points. If or Roberts just comes out, drains a couple of threes out of the gate. Duke ha- Duke has to sweat. It puts a humongous amount of pressure on Duke to do something that they don't do, and that's try to score a lot of points quick. Um, so, if I'm just looking at a matchup, I-, I would take Oral Roberts over Duke. I mean, good pick. They got the pedigree too with last season uh, beating Ohio State first round. I think they made it all the way to the Sweet 16. So, I, um, I honestly think Louisiana could knock off Tennessee too. Like, if, if there's a region you're and, and you're just trying to be the best the 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 one bracket that wins it all louisiana and oil roberts says your round of 32 is not inconceivable yeah i mean i i would agree with that it seems like i try to shy away from publicly announcing too many upsets that i'm going to pick because it seems like they never happen when i do that so the, the one i'm riding with is kent state but i i I, so I guess those games would be Friday. The Duke game would be Friday also, obviously. So what you do, Luke, is you release a series of upset picks every day until you've picked all of them. That way you're <laughs> right in some manner. And you'd be like, look, I, I, I nailed that one. Go back and delete all the tweets of the other ones. <laughs> 4D chess while everyone else plays checkers. Exactly. The right <laughs> hash me, way. Yeah. Uh, my 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 cup of tea from two hours ago is wearing off, but uh, <laughs> but yeah, NCA tournament getting ready to start. We will we will be having a right hash uh, summit watching on Thursday. Four screens at once. Um, if it, it, we, we, we I'm sure we'll be tweeting a picture of the setup and we'll showing you where we are. If you do go to a game though, I know there's some fans out there of teams who are going to be in the tournament. So if you're at a game, send us a picture from your from your seats. Um, we we'd love to to see all that. Um, so. Yeah, just just really excited for for March Madness. It, it's no two tournaments are quite the same. So uh, excited for it this season. Um, and with that, I guess we're we're toward the end of the show, but we're not quite at the end of the show because if you've been a long time listener, uh, like our friend Connor Lilly is, you remember we used to end every show with this segment, and it was something we were just gears grinding about, something we were upset about, had to get a rant off our chest, and that was, of course, the hot box. Now we are back in the hot box, but it is going to be a little bit different. This was this was Alex's suggestion, and we're we're going to throw it up there and see see how it goes. The positive hot box. We're going to talk about things that make us feel good and happy within the world of sports. And and I, I just this is something new, and we've been doing this show for about two years, and this is our first you know kind of new venture into something here on the right hash. We've got the grinder, we've got the, the regular hot box, but now we're in in the positive hot box and. I don't, I don't have a, a new name for it yet, so we're just going to stick with the old name. But since this was your idea, Alex, I'm going to let you go first. I've been waiting to say these words for months and months and months. Alex Thompson, you are in the hot box. Thank you, Luke. It's nice to return to the hot box. Um, 
mine, mine's not going to be too long today. And I'm giving you, Luke, fir- first time this has happened, I'm giving you authority to cut me off if I rant in the wrong direction. I don't think I'm going to because I'm going to keep this pretty quick. But my positive hot box today came from me, uh, came to me uh, a, a week or so ago. I, I And I, I missed this particular piece of news. It, it got lost in a lot of Aaron Rodgers stuff, um, a lot of basketball Geno Smith recently signed a three-year, $105 million deal with the Seahawks after the season he had. And I, I saw that, and I'm like, how did I miss that? No, Still, nobody is talking about it. I, do, I don't hear it mentioned when we're talking about other quarterbacks that have signed. We haven't mentioned it in like a Derek Carr uh, conversation, really. I did ask you about uh, Geno Smith uh, a show or two ago, how you might feel about him towards Washington. But he, he's not been a name that's been out there regardless of how good of a season he had they were nine and eight completed almost 70 percent of his passes 4200 yards uh three to one touchdown to interception ratio 30 touchdowns on the season a 100.9 rating 350 plus rushing yards on the season um uh, uh, just a really good season for a really not great seattle squad that endured injuries like it always has and uh with the you know the leaving of Russell Wilson. Um, everyone kind of assumed that with Drew Locke coming over in the trade, Drew Locke was going to be the guy they primed to take over. And it, I, I almost, I got choked up just a little bit thinking about the career of Geno Smith, because I remember him back from college when he was the man and he came out and he was a top draft pick and what everyone expected him to do with the Jets was, I, I think, completely unwarranted just like every other Jets quarterback that has been drafted high there um, since then he had never had a winning record in the NFL until this year but this guy did not that did not quit he didn't say screw it I'm going home he didn't go into the media and say I'm being blackballed nobody's giving me a chance he didn't you know he, he wasn't trying to steal the show and falsely get a position that he knows he did not play his way into. And he is the living, breathing embodiment of hard work pays off. This guy got drafted in 2013 and did not get his first deal, real deal, until 2023, calendar year 2023. Ten years after he was a top draft pick, he finally gets his deal. And I could not help feel so happy for Geno Smith. He has been, anytime you've listened to him in in interviews in the last couple of years, he has always been a positive guy. Um, he, he, He does a very good job of explaining and explaining what he means. You know, he's done a really good job of explaining why he is yet to have gotten a a shot like he got last year and he's very self-aware um he joined seattle in 2019 didn't play but he's been on the staff there been in the in the room for a couple of years and he finally got that nine digit payday and it, it, it it i don't know it we move on from quarterbacks so fast we discard them as trash so fast that looking at what Geno Smith has done has impacted, like uh, after he signed that deal in the season that he had, 
it has impacted the way that I look at quarterbacks and quarterback free agency in particular. It's why I look at Zach Wilson and say that it's not his fault necessarily that he was drafted at number two. It's not his fault that scouts overreacted to a couple of pro day throws that he made. Everything that he was, was on tape. They drafted him into the wrong city at the wrong time. He needs a lot of development. He's got raw tools. He needs a lot of development and they put him in an awful situation. Same thing happened to Geno Smith. Same thing happened to Sam Donald. Same thing has happened to a lot, a lot of quarterbacks. Geno Smith is the first one that I've seen have the fucking gonads to stick around, play one game, two games a season, maybe, and, and, and not, not have any qualms. He's quiet. He goes about his business the right way. He's always available. He's never in trouble. You know, he, he's not on Instagram live you know, bitching and moaning about how he's not getting playing time. I'll even go as far to say, I I fully 100% think that if Tim Tebow would have done this same thing and stuck in the NFL, stuck with it, no matter what position they were going to shoehorn him into, if he would have stuck with it, he would be reaping similar benefits in today's NFL offense that Geno Smith is going to. They're not the same, but I'm just saying, if he would have stuck with it and not quit to go try to do this and do that and do this, Geno Smith loves football. Every football fan should love Geno Smith and be in awe, honestly, of what he's done. And I know no one's going to lose sleep over the thought of a guy who's collected millions of dollars to do nothing, but it, it, this, is, this is him beating human condition. This guy's been told for 10 years, you're, you're nothing, quit. And he didn't. And he finally got paid off for it. And in a big way, a very deserved way. He is going to be a nine-figure guy when his, when his checks clear. And that is, that, that is what my positive hotbox is about. It, it's about guys like that. And it's about how we, in a social media age, if a guy has a bad year, a guy has a bad two seasons, we immediately write them off. I'm looking at Josh Rosen, although probably okay to keep him written off. But the example of that, where even his own team wrote him off and drafted another quarterback the year after they picked him in the top 10, drafted over him, and right now look like idiots for doing it, in my opinion. Um, that We move on so quick when there could just be a Geno Smith lying in the weight. And I, I think of Josh Dobbs when I'm looking at Geno Smith because they, they remind me of each other in this way where they just go about their business, happy guys, honestly just happy to be there, enjoying life, living in the life, waiting for their chance. Josh Dobbs got a chance. I hope he gets another chance or two to put something together for a season because I think we could see something similar to this. And that, that's why I wanted to mention this in a positive hot box because we have these hot box that are, you know, d- demeaning and violent and ragey. And that's not what this is. This is a, everyone just needs to pause and, and, and realize that these are not machines. They, these are not people that have predictable outcomes. They, they, these are human beings who are subject to human error. And especially when they're in the big markets like Geno Smith and those guys have been drafted into kudos to you geno smith there is 
honestly not a more deserving contract that I can think of this year, more than what Geno Smith signed last week. And that is my hot box. Yeah, really well said there. I just, I kept thinking back to when West Virginia was like, just really fun to watch as a, as a college basketball or college football program um, back in the, the old big East. Um, and he, he was definitely a, you know, he was, he was a part of that. I, I think, you know, I think he was even there before they went to the big 12. So that's how long it's taken for him to get where he is today. Uh, really, really good. I know you've been sitting on that one for a while. So really good, good way to almost end this show. Um, I also of course have, have a, a, a hot box, a uh, positive hot box, unless you had anything to add. Nope, nope. Just right. glad, glad to finally say it. I haven't heard anybody else anywhere in the world say it. So <laughs> I'm just I'm glad someone has said good job, Gino. Um with that being said, Luke Ned Carney, you're in the hot box. Uh, it's it's good to be back, man. It's it's always always a pleasure. It's like riding a bike, you know, except I guess I have to ride the bike backwards because we're we're talking positively and not negatively. Um, but you know, we we um this is less about sports and more just about general life. You know, it's, it's getting to be spring. Uh, March madness is here. Baseball is here. Um, the Stanley cup NBA finals. I'm a big tennis fan. I know we've probably got some golf fans out there who, who listen to us. So all of that is kind of coming. Um, either kind of, we're, we're more college football centric, college sports centric in our element, but we like to, you know, branch out a little bit and it's, it's cool when sports kind of, kind of, open up like this for, for us. Um, and we, we don't have to, you know, rigidly spend so much time on one subject. Now we can kind of enjoy, you know, the, the hurricanes are really, really good. Um, you know, I'm a big Joel Embiid fan. I can watch him play basketball a little bit. Um, you know, March madness, the bracket challenge, just sports kind of open up a little bit here this time of year, the days get longer. I think people's attitudes get a little bit bigger. You know, you're out of that post holiday funk, um, of, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm back in the grind for a little bit. And I, my job, especially January and February are definitely a grind in the first part of March. And we're sort of out of that now. And if you, if you've listened to us for a while, you probably noticed we took a little bit of a, a break after football season. That, that was, you know, there was no real one catalyst particular reason for that. It was just like, Hey, let's, let's decompress a little bit. Let's just watch some sports without having to worry about having to talk about them um, and how we sound talking about them. And then let's just pick this back up when we feel like it, you know, last, last week was when we felt like it again. So we did. Um, but I just, I was just, I'm just grateful that uh, there's just a lot for us to, to watch and, and talk about. And just that the days are getting longer and warmer, at least in our part of, of the United States. And it always is a, a positive effect on me from a, a long winter where you might mistake me for a, a, a black bear at some point because I might just lie and hibernate for a, a, a week or two over the winter around all my work. So just it's, it's sort of like a little bit of a light at the end of the tunnel. And I'm, I'm glad that uh, glad that people uh, are people are feeling a little bit better now. We seem to have been moving past the pandemic uh, finally. And, and and do continue people to uh, post pictures and tag us when you're at sporting events. Uh, really, I really like to see that because frankly, I don't get to do that as much anymore. Um, and I'll end this by saying, you know, how grateful I was to get to go to the ACC tournament with my dad. It's been a bit a long time since I've gotten to go to a UVA basketball game. Um, it's such a staple of my childhood growing up. And that was, that was really fun on Thursday and UVA winning uh, made it, made it pretty perfect. So that is my very positive hot box. Excellent. And to go along with your positive hotbox, I cannot get the twisted yet hilarious image of you uh, that you painted for me after your win um, in the ACC tournament of you 
twerking and jiggling your ass cheeks in victory in front of a 70 year old UNC fan. Um, it will haunt me and I will treasure it at the same time for the rest of my life, that mental image. Now um, it will haunt the rest of you if you made it to the end of this two hour <laughs> plus show for which that, we thank you. <laughs> yeah, that not not quite like the little chocolate bit at the bottom of a nutty buddy, but you know, <laughs> you know, pr- pretty, pretty close, I guess. Uh, but yeah, dude, I, I echo that sentiment. It's been, I was just thinking the other day about how it seemed like we flipped a switch from having no sports and an empty stadium to just back to normal. And I don't know. It, it kind of just made me appreciate some of the the sports that we have back because we saw how fast it could get taken away. Um, la- last thing I want to say on your thing is uh, something I mentioned to you is uh, what with, with us taking breaks, everyone needs to take breaks. The way that you keep loving the shit that you like is to take a break, a break from the shit that you like. Um, no matter what it is, take, take a few minutes so that you don't wind up hating it get away from it from a couple of days a week reset whatever find something else to do don't turn that stuff that you love into stuff that you hate because you overexpose yourself to it it's really easy to do especially in sports with sports being available 24 7 all around the world take 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 a couple of days that that's what we had to do we, we took a couple of days got away from sports got i don't know i played some video games i uh hung out with some old friends that i haven't hung out with in a while and just ignored sports for a couple of days and th- that that was needed yep i mean for me it's uh me it's 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 kids movies man i'll watch like the road to el dorado or something after i get home from the <laughs> broadcast because i just i just don't want to think about sports because i've been doing it for 12 hours a day which uh, and this is also why i eat salads once in a while instead of just eating chicken fingers all the time because you do need to take a break from that too <laughs> That's what they say. (laughs) (laughs) I'm just now we're just getting ready for the wings on Thursday. That's that's all. That's all. Yeah, they'll be keto wings though. They're they're not breaded. They're 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 good though. They are dank. Oh yes, and with that, maybe we'll have to do another uh, mini uh, March Madness feast episode, like the Super Bowl. But um, but with that, that's a that's that's about all we've got. uh, Thankfully or unthankfully, depending on on your perspective. Uh, we we we've got no sports to watch tonight, so we we could have we we were saying we could we're shooting for about four hours, but I think we're gonna fall a little bit short of that, unfortunately. But still, I think our maybe our longest episode of a uh, of of the season, and uh, well, it's it was it was it was good, man. It was it was really great. Um, one more time, I want to remind everybody that we do have our right hash bracket smash available online. Scroll down to some previous tweets or look up in our bio. We'll we'll have it up there. Picks due by Thursday at noon and catch our latest episode of the right hosh as well with Rob Jordan. We'll have another one of those coming up. Uh, and, and I think Sunday or Monday of, uh, of next week. So uh, looking forward to that. And uh, Alex, any uh, parting thoughts before we, uh, we go and enjoy ourselves. There will be a prize to be announced later for the bracket challenge. It is not just join it and you get nothing. There will be a prize. I believe it was uh roughly like a $50 gift card last year. I think you handled this one last year, but there was like a $50 yeah. gift card um, to, yeah. to the winner from last year. So uh, expect about the same, you know, if we get enough people, I might be willing to bump that up just a little bit just for, for shits and gigs, but uh, expect at least $50. So you're not playing for nothing. Come join. It's going to be a lot of fun. Uh, most you're, not paying you anything. you're not paying anything to enter either. Exactly. It's, it's, it's totally, free. it's a free shot. Yeah, and you have a much better chance at winning this than you do the, the capital one quicksilver millions of people join this bracket. So you might actually win something from this one. 
Yep, and with that, we will uh, we will depart here and get ready for the NCAA tournament, which begins, well, less than 24 hours from this recording with the first four from Dayton, Ohio. So for Alex Thompson, this is Luke Nightcarney. We will talk to you next time from the Nasser Alexander Kuchecki Studios on the right cash.